have uh, we have two today. I have one that I was already going to play, and then uh, it, Tim Tim prompted the memory of another one. Uh, so we'll do the original choice, and then we'll follow it up with the one that Tim just brought to mind. Phil, hey Phil, Phil, Phil Connors, Phil Connors. I thought that was you. Uh, how you doing? Thanks for watching. Hey, hey. Now don't you tell me you don't remember me because I sure as heck buyer remember you. Not a chance. <laughs> Ned. Ryerson. Needle nose Ned. Ned the head. Come on, buddy. Chase Western High. Ned Ryerson. I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing. Ned Ryerson got the shingles real bad senior year. Almost didn't graduate. Bing again. Ned Ryerson. I dated your sister Mary Pat a couple times. So you told me not to anymore. Well. Ned Ryerson. Bing. Bing. <laughs> so did you turn pro with that belly button thing, Ned? Or no, what? Phil. I sell insurance. What a shock. Do you have life insurance? Because if you do, you could always use a little more. Am I right or am I right or am I right? Right, right, right. Ned, I would love to stand here and talk with you. But I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's all right. I'll walk with you. You know, whenever I see an opportunity now, I charge it like a bull. Ned the bull, that's me now. You know, I got friends of mine who live and die by the actuarial tables, and I say, hey, it's all one big crapshoot anywho. Tell me, have you ever heard of single premium life? Because I think that really could be the ticket for you. Oh, God. It is so good to see you. Uh, what are you doing for dinner? Uh, something else. It's been great seeing you, Needlehead. Take care. <laughs> Watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. <laughs> All right, that speech, that's really great. That's like a, that's like a, a, a free Bergian cackle at the end. All right, that was the first one. Uh, and then uh, Tim Riley uh, reminded us of this one. Like, um, let's say you're driving along the road with your family. And you're driving along, la la la, woo. And then all of a sudden there's a truck tire in the middle of the road. And you hit the brakes. Whoa, that was close. <laughs> now let's see what happens when you're driving with the other guy's brake pads. You're driving along, you're driving along, and all of a sudden the kids are yelling from the backseat. I gotta go to the bathroom, Daddy. Not now, damn it. Truck tire. I can't stop. <laughs> There's a cliff. Ah! And your family's screaming, Oh, my God, we're burning alive. No, I can't feel my legs. Here comes a meat wagon. And the medic gets out and says, Oh, my God. New guy's in the corner puking his guts out. All because you want to save a couple extra pennies. And to me, it doesn't get out. Now, do you validate? Now. You know that, Ned the Head? That's one of the classic moments of American cinema. Wait, uh, Ned Ryerson or that Tommy Boy thing? Tommy Boy. Oh, man. I, Tommy Boy, I have to tell you this. Every single movie Chris Farley made was worse than the one before, but Tommy Boy is a high watermark. It really is. I know some people try to dismiss it as just sort of a poor man's uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, and it does have certain thematic similarities. But I mean, they're all descended from the, from the outer towners of Jack Lemmon and Mary Tyler Moore, anyway. Um, 
I have to tell you, I remember sitting in the theater when Tommy Boy came out and laughing harder than I have ever laughed at any... I think maybe since then, maybe there have been things I've laughed at that hard, but I think at the time, that was like the absolute... I mean, it was the pinnacle. I think I laughed harder at that movie than anything I had ever seen in my entire life. I don't think I laughed that hard until uh, the South Park movie came out. I think when I saw South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, and for some reason when I saw the South Park movie, the thing, the, mo- the moment that really got me in the South Park movie was when he, when they're, they're getting ready to do um, Operation Whatever it is uh, to fight the Canadians, and, they can- and the computer won't load it. Goddamn Windows 98! Get me! They bring Bill Gates up and Bill Gates, why doesn't Windows 98 work? And he tries to do that. Well, not, you know, Windows 98 has many upgrades with more than three gigabytes of... And they just shoot him in the head. <laughs> they, just, they, just, they just blow his brains out the back of his head. Oh, death is funny. Anyway, that Tommy Boy movie, though, it's not just that. You know what Chris Farley did better than anybody? I think maybe better than anybody ever. Is the scrapey, loud, fat guy bellow. There's no fat guy ever bellowed like Chris Farley. Jesus. And that sequence where he's that sequence where he's in the room watching the well-endowed young lady uh, preparing to swim, and David Spade comes back in and catches him in the uh Who's your favorite sports team? I guess it's the other way around. I guess it's Chris Farley catches David Spade. Is it the Yankees? Wow. All right. Why, hello, it's six minutes and eighteen seconds after Really, and I have to say this one final Tommy Boy observation. I can see that Sarah's already getting tired of it. It really does. You know, sometimes they say it takes a village. Sometimes it takes a fat guy in a little coat. Sometimes it takes a fat guy to scream, I can't feel my legs! Like, that just wouldn't... It wouldn't be the same coming out of Dan Aykroyd somehow. Oh, good times. All right, it's uh, 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and this... The month of January in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming by, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, my amigos, my compadres, my companions, my friends in Christ. Uh, this is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming by. It's 503-733-2970. If you would like to join us today to weigh in with your comments, clarifications, conventions, two cents, uh, what have you. Humorous aphorisms regarding a frog and pockets. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Should I tell people who's on the phones today? Richie Bristol not on the phones today. Richie Bristol came in looking as pale as an Asian man can and did, did not seem as though he was having a good time of it. And he wasn't hungover. He was just he had kind of a low-grade thing going around. Because you had a weird, like your throat was all messed up a while back, wasn't it? Yeah, last, last week, the beginning of last week. Tim Riley? You... I, I was having muscle problems. <laughs> I'm sorry. Here's here's why that's funny. Not because your ailments are amusing, but because when you say you have muscle problems, that's like an airplane when Ted Stryker goes, I was having a drinking problem, and he like throws it right in his eye. Like I, I'm just picturing... Like Scotty J. Totally. I'm picturing you getting out of bed and just bam, onto the floor, not even able to stand. What are the nature of your muscle problems, if I can be so bold as to inquire? Wait, it... It, it's a muscle tension, and usually I get the flu right after that. Oh, no. Well, it's like a muscle ache yeah. kind of a thing? Yeah. 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 I think I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> I think I'll turn off my computer right now, just in case I never get back on it again. <laughs> the um, And especially, have you ever noticed this? And I know you have. When you get, like, 
muscle pains or ache. And you know, you really know you're getting old, by the way, when you when they are related to the coldness of the weather somehow. I knew I turned into my mom. Two things. Boy, we're already sidetracked. Ten minutes in. That's a record, I think, for this for this month. We've been doing really well this month. Two 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 times in my life when you know you sort of know you've become old. One is when you get out of bed or off the sofa or whatever, and you make that sound. And you know what I'm talking about. When, you, when you're sitting in, you know, you're sitting on the, on the, you know, in the armchair or whatever. Well, I guess it's time to put in some pizza rolls. And you go to get up and you go, getting off the couch. Like, why would you make that sound? Why do you need to make that sound to get up? It doesn't make any sense. Like, there's no, it doesn't seem like there's any physiological reason for that sound to come out of your mouth. And yet, sometimes when you get off that sofa after having been there for 14 hours, you and then you kind of go, uh, Christ. And then you sort of see that it's one step closer to death. Uh, second, and with me, it's not my uh, arms. It's like a, like my knee, like my left knee, especially for some reason. Or as George Bailey would say, my trick knee. Uh, I, it, when it's cold or inclement outside, I will get like a weird knee ache. And it's always when it's cold and drizzly. And somebody, you know, like I'll say, what's wrong with your leg? And I'm like, ah, it's just this weather. And then you're just like, F, man, just kill me. Just, just kill me Gates style. Anyway, but if you notice this, Tim, that whenever you get a pain in your arm, it always does seem to be your left arm. You always notice. You're, I mean, it, it's probably distributed evenly throughout your body. Never feels that way, though. You're always what's this? I've got a tingling in my extremities, and it does seem to be a shooting pain all the way down my left arm. Well, that's unfortunate. And immediately, yeah, you're looking around the house going, what do I need to burn in case they just find my corpse here? This is my last day on Earth. <laughs> yeah. What do I not want them to wish? What would I not want them to find laying around the house? What do I need? You know what they need to have? They need to have uh, some sort of a uh, some sort of set of like small, relatively harmless but efficient explosives they sell, all linked to one big sort of like red nuclear first strike type button. And as you realize you're about to die, like as the stroke is cutting off the circulation to your brain, you can kind of go over to the button and go and pull back the pull back the plastic safety latch and <clears throat> you press the button and all of the sensitive things in your home you don't want anybody to know about it all goes up into smoke it all vaporizes at once i have a friend of mine who i will not identify who does have that uh has a series of um many selections of homemade adult cinema that she sorry that this person <laughs> sorry uh, that this person does not want uh any of their relatives to ever find and this person does live in fear that if they were to die prematurely and the relatives were to come look through the house, it would be a lot of, well, what's on this videotape? Let's put it in and find out. It's a whole lot of... Uh, Are you going to help her out? And Did you tell her... Mom that you, pretending she's a wheelbarrow. What? you go clean out everything for her? No. No, I don't want that job. No, that's, that's not going to be on me. Because if I miss something and then the kids get warped, no, I'm not going to take that responsibility. All right. Well, in any event, uh, hey, it's uh, the Rick Emerson radio program coming up today. Uh, let's see. CNN uh, radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins joins us today as Rudy Giuliani begins the long farewell from the national stage. Um, James Roop perhaps joining us later on. I guess he's doing that Democratic debate, but he's also got the I guess the, the Grammys are going to go on. Uh, yeah, they reached a deal with the uh, writers. Like a one-off sort of agreement? Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. What else? Oh, and speaking of weird, so I was walking by in the hallway today. And I heard one of the engineers saying the following phrase. One of the things where you only catch like a little snatch of the conversation. Walked by and I just heard him saying, well, you know, a small nuclear device would do the trick. Like, why? What context would ever result in that being said? Uh, 
Anyway, uh, so we'll answer these magical questions today. What celebrity has a sex tape you'll be able to buy this week? Um, let's see. How crazy does Tom Cruise sound when he laughs? Uh, who keeps taunting me with promises of a world tour? And what's going to hit the earth and kill us all? Uh, all of that coming up, uh, plus uh, other things. Uh, oh, by the yeah, so, so Richie Bristol, not in today. He's uh, feeling ill. Should I tell people who's on the phones? Or should I just let them find out when they call in? I'll let him find out. Okay. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. Pieces of Sacagawea's head are still missing as the wily thieves <laughs> charged with trying to sell the statue for scat face serious charges. McCain and Romney are neck and neck in the polls in Florida. Giuliani's waiting to show everyone that they're all wrong about him. Mm-hmm. Mike Wallace, we're told, is recovering from triple bypass surgery. By the way, we're also told he's only 87, which doesn't seem like to be true. Yeah, he can't, but this morning is at 87 on the news. They corrected it to 90 after that. Really? Yeah. Depends on what you read, I guess. At what point, I mean, at what point do you realize age shaving is just pointless? I haven't reached that point yet. No. Uh, the only child of a former president dies. The hero of the younger set, Millie Cyrus, has changed her name to, we'll find out. That Garrison Keeler stalker may not be as threatening as originally thought. There's been a police shootout in Florida over a pair of blue jeans. Fantastic. Uh, all that in the way, plus uh, other things. Uh, Join the day as are we always with the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. How are you today? Hello, How I'm doing you? well. Fantastic. I went bowling last night and... Um, Tuesday. No, tonight's my league night, but I went to that new fancy uh, bowling alley, the Grand, Grand Central. Central. Bowl. Now, we were just talking about that yesterday in the promotions meeting. What is that place like inside? I haven't been my there since they remodeled Heather it. My friend summed it up in the best way possible. It's so pretentious, it hurts. Really? But it's That's awesome. Bad. No, but it's awesome. How could bowling be pretentious? Well, it totally is. What it is, it's like it's this really chic bar, and it's just um, I don't know. The the bartender was like a little a little snotty. It's like, oh, I'm your bartender. You should feel so privileged to give me. And you're like, just give me my bucket soda and shut up. <laughs> um, so we're bowling, and instead don't of, look me in the eye. <laughs> so instead of like little plastic chairs, they have um, these really nice couches, and there's a, a like a coffee table in the middle. And big, uh, big digital screens. That I don't are know playing. how I feel about a bowling alley. But... It's pretty neat, and like big digital screens showing music videos the entire time. Isn't the object to go in to throw a ball and knock down pins? So you would think. Down? Yeah, and the balls aren't missing like big chunks out of them or anything. I mean, like the Sacagawea statue. I mean, but are we going to tie everything into that all week long? I suppose so. It's okay. working. Um, I don't know, but to me, bowling is just such a. I don't know. It's not not like I live my life in a retro sense like some of the like some of the sort of greaser kids do or whatever. But bowling does have a cool 50s, 60s thing to it. And I I, I don't know. I, I'll have to go see it. We were talking about they it yesterday. There's a vintage sign in there that says, like, bowling and... Uh, well, you know, because Grand Center Bowling is that's a legendary place. Actually, I have this great book. There's a couple named Jane and Michael Stern. And they write these... They're sort of America's foremost pop culture historians. And they wrote the Encyclopedia of Pop Culture years before pop culture had really become a thing that we all talk about. They, they were writing about it. Like, 20 years ago, they wrote this book, The Encyclopedia of Pop Culture. They have another great book called The Encyclopedia of Bad Taste, which is just what it sounds like. It's a huge coffee table book of, like, spray cheese and hee-haw and, like... Everything that you love. Mobile homes. Yeah, it's just a whole encyclopedia of tacky Americana. One of the, the entries that was bowling... And the, the, the picture they used to illustrate it is that tile mosaic that was outside the Grand Central the for, the, yeah, for the longest time, which is gone now. So it kind of bums me out that it's gone. I wish I'd known they were tearing it down. I would have gone to, to place, save a piece of it. Oh, that place is such a cool like little dive bar before, too. Yeah. And this is neat now. It's just, you know... It's different. Yeah, yeah it's, it's different. It's very sleek. Lots of, like, silvers and blacks and, um, like, it works. It seems like there's things that ought not be upscale. Bowling seems like one of those things that 
I mean, maybe it'll work. Don't get me wrong. I, like we know yeah. the guys who, uh, who who own that joint. So you know, maybe it'll be uh, you know, maybe it'll work out. I just I'll have to go see it myself. I I have. And it I'm was, unconvinced. It was pretty reasonably priced. Um, like a little more expensive than a regular bowling alley, but it's like thirty. Did you bowl well? I did. I I'm not a very good bowler, so nobody can laugh at me. But okay, so my highest before this was 107. Last night I got a 108. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So excited. And then I was with um and then so Brad the car guy invited me out. So I was with Brad and his wife, uh, Byron Beck and and his partner. Yes. Juan. And then like six of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen in my life. They're all tall, thin, they're models. And like Brad invited me to go to this birthday party. I'm like, what part of you thought that it would be a great idea for me to go to an all-girl birthday party with these people that don't know me, who are all wearing like heels and dangly earrings and all like giggling and and that's the know. weirdest combination of people ever. Here's like six models and Juan and Byron and you and Brad and his wife, who's like way too good for all of you. No, I've, I've I never mean... felt so schlumpy in my entire life. I'm wearing like this plaid hoodie and like my little Chuck Taylors. And that was like all... me when I worked down the hall from KNRK, where every single person who worked at KNRK had like, I, I, I don't know, had they all had like immaculately like like frosted hair, like a Dropkick Murphys jacket that they bought in 1982 on the streets of Boston. And, <laughs> like I and I, you know, and, yeah, I just felt like a tool. Uh, all right, uh, let's see. Well, we'll get calls here in uh, just a second. Uh, by the way, I'd like to thank everybody for not noting that I didn't shave today. This is actually the second time. I, and I don't. It's not like my like a, my whiskers or whatever grow all that fast. So I I don't know that I look terrible. But for for whatever, I think it's because Lara's gone, and so my schedule is just all like my morning routine and my whole ritual. Everything is all thrown off. And this is the second time in ten days that I've come to work, been sitting at my desk typing my email, and then I kind of go up to like, you know, whatever, adjust my glasses or something, and I just realize that I haven't shaved. So I got it's that too whole dark in here. We can't tell. Yeah, well, I can tell. Okay, well, excellent. So it's, I, it's not part. like I look terrible. It's just I get really self-conscious about it. But here's the thing: I didn't tell this story last week for whatever reason. We just sort of got. I think it was that day. After Heath Ledger died and Steve came on right at the top of the show and I never really got to talk about it. But so I didn't shave today. And here's the, the, the irony is I actually have shaving apparatus up in my office that I didn't use. And here's why. Because last week, I think it was last Wednesday maybe or Thursday, I came to work, realized I had not. I realized while I was in a meeting with Susan where I reached up and I kind of touched my face and I went, oh, God, I didn't shave. And I want to look like a tool because, you know, that's the day the boss will be in. Like, that's the day you don't shave, the day that you forget to iron everything and so you just wear a shirt that says, like, you know, free mustache rides. Like, that'll be that'll be the day that, like, the boss comes to work and he walks down the hall and stops you and wants to have a nine-minute conversation with you about the future of the station. So last Thursday, I realized that I haven't shaved. And, I'm, and I, I, I look through my drawer. I look through my little, you know, my, the, the, my, my whatever my bag that I carry with me. And I'm like, I don't have a, I don't have a razor. I don't have anything. So let's all say it together. Where can you always buy shaving accessories? Oh no, you. Where's didn't. Where's the worst place you could possibly buy uh, things with which to tend your personal hygiene? Your favorite store on Oh there? yeah. Oh that's right. I went to the plaid pantry across the street. The plaid pantry, which is the same place that I bought that arid extra dry underarm that day that I had done, which makes me smell like a lilac. So I walk across the street plaid to plaid pantry. Let me ask you this. How much do you suppose a, like a razor and like a one-time thing of shaving cream cost? $20. <laughs> no. Oh, like 7 bucks. No, it was like $7. So, I mean, anyway, so I buy the, like the one-time shaving cream. And keep in mind, it's a, a, you know, a plaid pantry razor, but a brand-new razor sealed inside the package. I put down my, you know, my $7 or whatever. I come back across the street. I go into the bathroom down here. And it was one of those things, and 
women probably have some, you know, equivalent to this shaving-wise. But guys, you know what I'm talking Because the thing is with guys, guys really do have it hard, though, because guys can't just say, well, F it, I'm putting on, I'm, I'm wearing pants today. Um, you know, my underarms look terrible, that's okay, I'm just going to wear a long shirt. When, a, you, when you start shaving as a guy, th there's no road back. Once you start, you must finish. And so... I put the shaving cream on, and I think the shaving cream, I think, I think like, the, the primary ingredient was lighter fluid, because it was, like, one of those things where as soon as I put the shaving cream on, it's like I could feel it eating through my epidermis. And so I then thought, okay, i, I got to get this done quickly. I'm in, the, um, I'm in the unisex bathroom, because that's the only one that has adequate lighting. Because you're thinking, okay, if you're going to shave, you probably don't want to do it in a dimly lit room, because that seems like a, like a road to perdition. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the unisex bathroom, which is the only one that is really lit, of course, in the unisex bathroom. No hot water. So, so I've got a I've got a plaid pantry razor. This shaving cream, which is made largely of boric acid. Was it one of those like <clears throat> orange razors? With yeah. The, with the white. Oh yeah. You, oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And only cold water in the sink, which of course is not what you're supposed to use to shave. So, what do I do? Do you start on like a small area of your face to see how it's going to work out? Do you maybe test it like over here, like by your sideburn or something, where maybe it's not? No, no, no. Start right on the neckline. And be sure to shave against the grain like an idiot. So, so the first thing I do is... And man... Ow. I mean, it, it really was like I had taken some sort of a sharpened cheese grating instrument to the bottom. Of, but then it's but then, but then, but then you have to continue. Because I've got this swath that is sort of shaved, you know, red and bleeding, but shaved. And I'm like, Gross. well, I... It's like I... No, no, go. On. You know what it is? It's like when you you're we're not look. We're not listening. <laughs> and I'm, how much longer is the story? I'm just saying. It's really grossing us up. And so, if you had walked by the bathroom for the next ten minutes, the last Thursday, you would have heard this like ah, ah, ah crap, stupid. Ah. And it, I have to tell you, you know what I what I did is, and then I'll skip to the end. I washed my face off, and man. Really, it was like someone had taken a pellet gun to my face. It was just unbelievable. So I walked, I, I, I sort of did this where I kind of hunched my shoulders up and sort of put a paper towel around my face. Like, like that guy, like that guy playing Bella Lugosi in Plan 9, where he's just got the, he's got the cape, like, from his nose down. It's, un, it's an uncanny resemblance. I, I just watched that again this weekend. Oh, it's the best movie. I put a paper towel over the bottom half of my face, just like Edward's chiropractor. And I ran up to my office, and I shut the door and locked it. And I stayed in my office until about 10.40, giving it, like, as long as I possibly could. And it is only because of the dimness of the studio that you didn't see that I basically looked like a George Romero creature. God, it was, the, it was, it was terrible. It was awful. Um, okay, a couple small bits of business, then we'll break. <clears throat> I should just give you the sex tape information now. Here's the thing. I don't really know who this is. But I feel like I ought to because she's apparently got an embarrassing sex tape out. So, blah, blah, blah. Jessica Sierra. Oh, that's some, like, reality show check. I think she was on American Idol, maybe. No. I've never seen that. I guess she's in rehab now, so that makes it either oh, you know less what? hot or hot. I is saw she her. She was, she's on that celebrity rehab show. Is she on celebrity rehab? Oh, here we go. She's on celebrity rehab with Dr. Drew. So and she's got a, a sex tape coming out from Vivid Video on uh, January 30th. Listen to this. Listen to what an ass this guy from. Don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, I'm an American. I love pornography. But it, and you know what, Vivid, you know, it's a capitalist society. They can do whatever they want. Um, I'm just saying, boy, this guy's a class act. This guy from Vivid. Don't get me wrong. We make a lot of our money really capitalizing on the failure of Britney Spears' life, both personal and public. But anyway, quote. <clears throat> 
It's an exceptionally explicit series of vignettes, both solo and with Charles Youngblood, a man she met at a Hooters bar in Tampa. The tape also reveals much about a personality of Jessica and gives some insight that would be helpful for anybody curious as to how she arrived at her current situation in life. Which I think is code for she's like strung out through the entire video. So it's not only an embarrassing porn tape, it's not only made with, made with a guy she met at a bar at a Hooters. But apparently she's wasted through the entire thing. So feel good about giving your money for that. No. Uh, all right, there's that. Uh, also, I do want to apologize. I said something yesterday and then Seamus made me feel bad about it. Um... So we have this guy, and I'm sure we have more than one, but we have a guy named Lenny who is uh, serving. I think he's in Kuwait right now. Um, one of our listeners who is uh, one of our fighting men and women overseas. So Lenny, who is in Kuwait listening to us on the podcast and has been you know, a long-time listener, and I've emailed back and forth with him. So I guess I made some I, – in fact, I know I, I, I act as though I don't remember. I made some comment yesterday about how guys who are named Lenny just sound retarded. So, you know, hey, sorry. Uh, finally, this. Please answer me this. What is a wombat? Is that or is that not a fictitious creature? A wombat? No, that's from uh, Tasmania, isn't it? Is it? Well, I don't know. I believe so. But I thought it was a kind of bat. See, I don't really... Is, are you just saying that because it has bat in the name, though? No, I, for some reason, I'm, I'm picturing... I don't know. Here's why. Because Dennis Miller said the funniest thing today. He was talking about Barack Obama and his seeming lead over the Clintons. And he said, he said, you want to be careful that when the Clintons are cornered, they come out fighting like a bunch of wombats, which is funny. Uh-huh. And I don't even. And it's funny whether or not it's a real creature. <laughs> I just don't creature. know. There's one. There's wow. a, yeah. Oh, that'll kill you. You yeah, don't want that thing. That's kind of cute. It, what is, is, it is an Australian marsupial. It's cute until it's tearing it out your, uh, like it. your aorta. Yeah, that does look like a, some kind of horrific m- creature from a movie. So where is it at, Tim? Uh, they're uh, they're from Australia. Yeah. And See, Tasmania. Yeah, no, no, no. That it, that seems like one of those things that... Rodent-like front teeth and powerful claws. Yeah, ah. that's what I mean. See, a lot of those things look cute, like, and then you don't think about... Like, let me ask you this. Don't you think it's about time that we had a story in the news of a panda mauling and killing somebody? I mean, don't you think that would be really satisfying at some deep level? Get some teenagers some booze, you'll have it. <laughs> because people uh, people always love to talk about panda bears. And, you know, panda bears are the symbol of the WWF, you know, the World Wildlife Federation. And, uh, and everybody loves pandas. And, there's, you know, we always have to hear these news stories about why they can't get the pandas to hump in the zoo, you know, and you know, whatever. And there's always, like, you know, idiot tourists posing with the panda that's always sitting there eating it. But, you know, pandas have massive teeth and huge claws. And I do believe we'll kill things just like at, like at the drop of a hat. I really would love to see a tourist just e- killed and eaten by a group of pandas or koalas. That would be even better. That would be kind of cute. Wouldn't you love to see a koala just jump over a fence and take somebody's neck right out? Oh. Sounds like a good promotion for the Oregon Zoo. Maybe we should bring it up to Susan. <laughs> I think, I think that would be really satisfying. I'd love that. Oh, wait, hold on. Okay, so let's do this. Top three animals... That would be amusing uh, if they just decided to go on a killing rampage. Anteater. I was just going to say anteater. I was exactly, I was totally going to say anteater. Anteater. Uh, I was totally going to say that. They got those long noses, too. They yeah. could do some damage with those. I think the white-faced gibbon monkey. <laughs> win. Okay, I'm not even going to give a third one. That's the win right there. Well done. All right. Jesus. Okay, well, we got a break here in a second. Don't even... Oh, we got somebody wants to talk about wombats. That wombat sounds like one of those... A wa- you know what a wombat sounds like? It sounds like a ruled doll-esque creation. Like at the end of James and the Giant Peach, the book, where 
the peach has landed there, and the uh, and the insects are looking. God, I love that book. The insects are looking over the edge of the peach down there at the at the spectators, and the fire. The chief of police says, "Is that a vermicious nid?" And then the uh, the the, uh, the head of the fire department says, "I believe it is the kind that eats full-grown men for breakfast, a vermicious nid." Um, if I had a band, they would call be called the Vermicious Nids. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, man. What's I was up? Going to talk to you about wombat, you guys. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> I know. Your your audience is nutty, man. Everybody knows something about every every possible thing out there. It is true. Now we are a walking Wikipedia. It's it's yeah, it's crazy. But wombat, yeah, obviously marsupials. But I got the pet a wombat actually once. A pet a wombat. Uh, Oh, I, yeah. I thought you said you had a pedo-wombat, and I thought that was some sort of a sexually deviant wombat. <laughs> some other species. You no, had you no. got to pet a wombat. Yeah, I was in Australia once at this um, kind of like a wildlife preserve uh-huh. sort of thing. And, um, yeah, it actually had a, an area we could go walk in. There was, like, wombats kind of over the front railing. We could get, like, reach down and, and actually pet them. And, and so, but, I mean, were they? how big are they? Um, probably... I mean, they're kind of fat and kind of fat and round. Yeah. And they kind of look like it. I mean, I wouldn't say rat, but they kind of have that just really kind of undistinctive fur about them. But probably like the size of a small dog. Did they? Did, I mean, could you tell if they had teeth or claws? Like, if oh, they yeah, wanted yeah, to mess oh, you up, yeah, could they? You see their claws. I mean, they're kind of like a burrowing animal. It was kind of like in the corner, but you could tell it like to dig. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, I, seriously, if they actually got pissed off like an army of those, you'd be in some serious trouble. You know what else? So, you know what else would just completely mess you up if they ever decided to rise against humanity? Badgers. Yeah, you don't want to screw with badgers. Badgers, can I tell you, here's the thing. Badgers do this amazing thing. People don't really know about this. Here's the thing that badgers do. How messed, Nature is just completely effed. Badgers will do this thing where if a badger is being chased by hounds, like dogs, you know, hunting dogs, the yeah. badger will roll over on its back, and it somehow emits the smell of death. I don't know how they do that. But oh, they have, like, no, a yeah, gland or whatever. And they put out yeah. a smell that is, like, that of a dead animal. And so the dogs think... Well, all right, dead badger. Let's go. Let's go chew on it. Yeah, and they go in, and then it's like out come the claws, the adamantium <laughs> claws. I'm done. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's bad. All right, thank you. Yeah. All right, bye now. Don't even get me started on my Christmas tree, which I still have to get rid of. <laughs> you um, still have your Christmas tree up? No, I. Well, up is sort of a broad term. All right, we should take a break. Uh, back after this, Lisa Desjardins, Tim Riley at noon with the new news hour. Uh, what part of a prostitute was bitten off in Florida last night? I have the answer right here. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. 503-733-2970. Um, coming up in just a few, CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Uh, all right. Uh, we never did talk about... Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. We never did talk further about the new kids on the block reunion yesterday, which now what's his gut says isn't going to happen, but you know that it is. I know Danny Wood's saying because you know what? You know why it is? It's because he's got a solo record coming out. Yeah, and but then today he's like, oh, I don't want it to be misconstrued. I'm not saying it's never going to happen, but it's not happening right now. But be sure if it was happening, be sure to check nkotv.com. <laughs> if it until... were to be announced, well, the... I'm not going to get excited about it because it just sounds like the greatest thing ever. But here's. Uh-huh. It, here's how you know that it is going to happen, just because everything happened. I mean, it, it all, I mean, we, I know we've talked about this a billion times, but the, the, the number of bands to whom a lot of money was offered to reunite, who, who turned it down, is, ve- I mean, uh, less than one hand. I mean, really, it's, at this point, it's, ju- it's, yeah, it's just the Smiths and ABBA and Guns N' Roses. And even Guns N' Roses will probably do it at some point. I mean, Slash says that they, that they, that they won't. 
But it's always just a matter. I mean, Kiss said forever that they wouldn't do a reunion. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just a question of somebody writing a large enough check. And you know what? There are 10 billion girls like you on planet Earth you know, who would immediately just dig out all their old uh, new kids on the block crap and go to hell. I'd go. I'd go, and I didn't even really like everyone, them the first time around. Everyone so. I know, like the kitsch factor for that is just undeniable. There's no oh, yeah. way. Like, every person I know would probably want to Well, go. because it's the, you know what it is? They know now, but it's that cool. great nexus of, of kitsch. It's the it's like the three the three way nexus of kitsch nostalgia and then girls your age and older who want something to drag their kids to because girls who are let's say like thirty thirty two who have kids and who have daughters who are into teen pop want to be able to take and go no 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 you don't know what teen pop is let me show you what teen pop really is and everybody wants to be able to like tell the next generation about like something they missed out on so girls like you who have kids though will definitely go because they want to take their daughters to it mm-hmm. so because it's, it's part of that like cool mom kind of a thing so uh, alright let's do these and then we'll uh, we'll talk to uh, Lisa Desjardins in a moment hi you're on the Rick Emerson show hello hi Rick hello. Hey. Nice, to, nice to hear you guys hi. up on I'm running today hi um, did anybody happen to catch the uh, Ted Kennedy uh, nose thing last night? No idea what you're talking Oh, this is the State of the Union. Let me just say first and foremost. I mean, his nose is, or not. whoa. I, I, my husband got mad at me because I started laughing because it looks like he's got a growth on the end of it. And it's like, why didn't somebody put some makeup on that thing or something? Well, let's let's back up for a second. First of all, I watched sort of the, if you can call them that, the highlights of the State of the Union this morning. I didn't watch it. Here's the thing. Even when a president is not just a completely irrelevant lame duck, the State of the Union is so unbelievably tedious to me. Like, I can't even enjoy it as theater. So I didn't, I did not watch the State of the Union. But you, now when you say it's a growth on Ted Kennedy's nose, do you mean an actual growth? Or are you talking like a Mikhail Gorbachev birthmark thing? No, no. The end of his nose. Well, I, <laughs> another, another radio station this morning said also the same thing. And my husband actually got mad at me because he's like, I wanted to hear what he had to say. And now I cannot do nothing but look at this guy's nose. Does your husband really talk that way? Yeah. Well, hmm. no, I don't know. All right. Well, but, we'll, we'll look but, it, but you need to look at the pictures right. of it because I'll, it looks like a little penis on the end of his nose. Thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> Bye now. Thanks for saying that right as we got Lisa on hold. I appreciate that. There you go. Thanks. <clears throat> Yeah. Okay. Let's uh Rick Emerson show from the Hill CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hi. Hi. How are you doing today? Sorry. That? I uh Yeah. Well, there's no way to smoothly transition out of it. I didn't watch the State of the Union. I just I and I know that that's the bulk of what you're talking about today is that, but I as I was just saying it, it even when we're sort of knee-deep in the middle of an administration's term, I just find it so impossible to care about the State of the Union. I just... Because it, it, the State of the Union, it doesn't even appeal to me like in any sort of like visceral theatrical level because it's just so unbelievably tedious and, and buffed and sheened free of any sort of... Uh, I, I, there's nothing compelling to me about the State of the Union, but doesn't it, especially now, does it not seem to you that regardless of one's party affiliation, that... Uh, George Bush has, I don't want to say diminished in stature, that's the wrong way to put it, but he, he has sort of become this thing that we only view out of the periphery, like out of the corner of our eye that, you know, we're just sort of running out the clock. 
Yes, I understand what you're saying. Yes, it really did feel like he he didn't care so much. Didn't didn't feel like uh, even the Congress. You know, he had some good rounds of applause, but there was no fire in the belly last night during that speech. Uh, and so, I mean, is there anything? Was there anything announced that I need? How do I put this? Is, in any way, is he going to be reaching into my pocket to take more money for me? So, it, is there anything I should care about in that regard? <laughs> um, I just need to know if it's coming. That's all. It's not that I can do anything about it, but if there's a rogering coming, I just want to know. I'm, you know, I'm going to pick what, my one favorite thing of the speech that I, that I think was new is he did say, uh, and who knows if this proposal will go anywhere, but I thought it was interesting that he said uh, members of the military who don't use their education benefits should be able to hand those off to their kids and their spouses. But, but honestly, you know, that's, it's such a kind of small little nugget. It's amazing that, that that is what stood out to me in the speech. You know, his whole theme was trust the American people, trust uh, sort of this uh, system that we have in place, capitalism and democracy. And I don't know, to me, there was such a sense of irony that that was really his theme at a time when Americans don't trust their government. But, uh, you know, I think what to me what stood out is I think the president last night was saying, I am aware of all of these problems. <laughs> and, and he sort of rattled off uh, maybe three dozen different issues. He really struck wide. He was not going for any one area, but he did probably talk the most about the economy in Iraq. But he, you know, he hit Burma, Sudan, malaria, hunger, you know, every, pretty much everything came up, healthcare, mortgages, the economy, the stock market. Uh, he, it was all in there. It was a big, uh, big kettle of stew. Do you suppose he just had kind of like we do every December, just a big pile of things on his desk he hadn't gotten to yet, and this was just sort of going to be the clearinghouse <laughs> for that, you know? It, yeah. <laughs> it was like every everything that he could attach, every noun that he could put a negative adjective in front of, got a, got a mention. You know, I don't know. I, I think that he wanted to. I think he wanted to make it clear that he is not an ignorant president. That he's someone who is aware of many different problems in this country and around the world but you know in many cases he he said you know I've I've tried on social security I've given you my ideas but uh, now you got you guys have to come up with something because obviously the uh, congress pretty much rejected his plan for those private retirement accounts you know but he he mentioned a lot of these issues and he said you know the US is doing a lot of good work and you know trying to to fight aids around the world and fight malaria and it kind of trying to he's trying to beef up the reputation of the US saying we are a donor nation and we are a charitable nation and he talked about all these topics but he didn't really say a lot in the way of solutions for for most of these issues, I think one of his the, his uh, goals was to make Americans feel better, and and I don't think that this morning the Americans who were paying attention to the speech do feel a lot better. I think they feel probably about the same. They don't feel worse, so that's good. <laughs> but <laughs> it was in all a largely innocuous speech. <laughs> I would say so. I would say so. And you know, and there were no great lines. No, America is addicted to oil. You know, nothing like that. And, you know, also interesting, Rick, he didn't point to any – the gallery was loaded with people uh, in the First Lady's box um, with interesting stories that attached to the themes he was covering in the speech. But he never mentioned it. And it was sort of the first time since Ronald Reagan, I think, that we haven't had uh, what kind of gets a little schlocky sometimes, this, you know, just like – It's like I'd like to point to a school teacher who ran into a burning building to save 35 <laughs> cats from a horrible fire. Yes. Yeah. 
you know, and then they stand up and everybody claps. And in a way, I have to congratulate the president for not doing that. I think it has gotten a little trite. And I think, and you had, you know, he had you know, the, the kid from Virginia Tech who was shot in the leg, and I guess he used his belt as a tourniquet to save his own life. You know, that kid was in the box, and amazing members of the military who have, who did incredible things in Iraq, they were in the box. But he didn't, you know, didn't point to those stories. If I can back up onto Virginia Tech for a second, did yeah. you did you ever see the story at the Virginia Tech shooting that was just it was just badass? It was a kid who is a who's an engineer, of course, at their radio station, and he gets shot on the leg or whatever. He uses like an XLR cable from like that big that big wall of cardboard boxes and amorphous sort of connecting parts that engineers always have. <laughs> he gets shot. He, you know, he pulls himself back to the shop at the radio station, finds like some radio station cable, like <laughs> tourniquets off the leg. They take him to the hospital where he is. He then passes out. He wakes up the next morning and like the first in the station had been doing some sort of on air fundraising marathon telethon broadcast or whatever. And the first words out of his mouth is like, what's the tote board? How far are we up? Which is just <laughs> like the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Now, how, what is, how confident are you that that story is true? Um, I... Oh God! See now, as I say it, the explanation sounds so fishy. Um, I I'm just questioning I, the like proximity of the radio station to the engineering building. I have to. I say, mean, maybe. Well, here's here's how I heard it. Um, the guy who at the time was our chief engineer here at CBS Portland, um, he uh he got it off an engineering like a radio engineering message board. Uh, and it had the kid's name, and it had the whatever. So who knows? The province of it may be a little, a little murky. Uh, but uh, but anyway, it was on an engineering, like some place where engineering nerds gather, and he read it there, and he's like, check out this cool radio engineer guy at you know V Tech. It was so. I'm gonna choose to believe it's true. In I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a bush here. Despite of any any hard evidence, I'm just gonna choose to believe that it's a fact. There you go. Okay. I'm, gonna... yeah, I'm, I'm almost wondering if somehow this is the same kid, because I, I only know of the one, uh, you know, homemade MacGyver tourniquet story. Right. Virginia Tech. So maybe maybe this is the same well, guy. Well, now I have to find it. I have a friend of mine, my friend uh, Chris Neathan, who is a, a, a big a political observer. He uh, he noted something, and again, I I really did. I watched sort of the highlights on, on YouTube today, but I didn't watch the speech. He said at one point, though, that there was... I wish I had this in front of me. It, he said at one point one of the guests that you mentioned, like one of the, one of the sort of people of note, it was it was uh, it was something like it was uh, like a, a a woman who was a Haitian immigrant who was had AIDS and was here as some sort of an AIDS activist or something. Does that ring true at all? Does that sound familiar? Um, there is there was a woman yes there who was a single mother who had who had HIV. She's HIV positive, and the president, the White House, said that because of a White House program, uh, she was able to get treatment while she was pregnant uh, to ensure that her baby was would not be HIV positive. Now, the weird thing about that is, and again, I, I'm just mentioning this from from just an objective political point of view. I don't know that this is true, but he said the weird thing about that to him was that Bush is pointing out this woman, and, and uh, apparently, uh, under uh, something that Jesse Helms, of course, pushed through. He noted that he believed that her that actually she was an illegal resident because uh, due to something pushed through by Jesse Helms, uh, the HIV positive were actually not able to emigrate legally into the country. Is that true? You know, offhand. I don't know if that's true. So I don't know if it's true at all. And you know, and again, it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter to me. It would just be it would be interesting. I, I haven't if, heard that before. I don't know. I don't know if it's true or not. It would be interesting if Bush chose to highlight that though because he has. 
he has tried to walk such a weird fine line with immigration, both legal and not. And and that's the sort of thing that sort of, it would it struck me that it would be straight very odd and ironic if if he chose to highlight that woman who may or may not actually have been here in violation of some law. Anyway, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Um, it, it, let's, if, you, if, you, if you have a couple minutes, let's talk very quickly about um, about today um, and, and, and Rudy in Florida and, and all of that. Um, does, in your assessment, does Giuliani have to get first today or, it's, or he's done? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the thing with him right now is expectations are so low because he's <laughs> done place. so poorly up until now. Honestly, I think if he gets second, that's better than expectations. And I, I think that I think he, he could maybe create a little bit of, of motion out of a second place. But, I, th- I you know, I think to, to really be back in the conversation with John McCain and Mitt Romney, he needs a first place. But, you know, if he, if he gets a second place, uh, he's back at Fred Thompson level. Yeah, <laughs> which is just the saddest. Middle, those middle months of Red Thompson, that's where he'll be. I mean, how odd and sad that Ron Paul is going to be in this longer than Giuliani, probably. I mean, that really is just like the lowest benchmark. Or maybe it's great. Maybe it's great that you have this sort of completely outside voice, you know, that really there's a reason he's in it. It's because there are a lot of people that are are really fed up and, you know, want, want somebody who's... Uh, you know, you know, off the beaten path. There's always a collection of cranks sitting in their basement listening to <laughs> listening to Frank Zappa box sets, <laughs> wanting to be told who to vote for by somebody they met on like a Usenet group. So, I mean, I really don't get me wrong. I mean, I I have to tell you, here. Well, never mind. Um, a couple other things. First of all, how is it that Giuliani even has any money left at this point? I mean, I it, it, he's got to just be running on fumes, if not less. You know, he, the fact is that he saved his money all for Florida, and, and he actually brought in a great deal of money. And if I was one of his contributors, I'd be scratching my head a little bit and saying, wow, I didn't realize it was going to go to Florida. You know, I thought that we were right. going to see maybe more of a national campaign. But that's why he did so poorly in South Carolina and in other states, because he pulled out completely. He didn't spend anything on advertising. Uh, didn't even spend money on gas driving around the state. So. That money, those tens of millions that he's brought in, really has all gone to Florida. You know, I think he obviously needs more money now, but he still has enough to keep going. He's not, it's not bone dry. He's not in the McCain situation of uh, last summer. And then we've got the, the Democrats, who, and this is another thing where Florida, but the Florida moved up the primary, and so and so the, the Democrats nationally retaliated by pulling their delegates and decertifying them or whatever happens, right? Um and so, so is this another thing where it's going to be the Democratic win? It's just like a beauty contest, but doesn't really mean anything. It, it's, it's right now that's the way it is. But Hillary Clinton is fighting to try and get the, the, those delegates reinstated, but it, it won't mean anything at the convention right now. Those delegates won't have voting power, which which makes me wonder if they're just going to, as they you know they do that roll call, the great state of Florida, Saltwater <laughs> Tappy. Are they just going to skip it? <laughs> Are they just going to stand up and wave hi and sit <laughs> back down? We can't vote, thank you. They, I was just, you know what it is? They'll they'll pull an Obama. They'll just vote present. Oh, Bam! Yeah! Attention to the back and forth. Hey. That, that's how I roll. All right. Uh, are you? So that's the big, um, I, I think, annoying story of the day in a way is this whole, everybody in Washington, uh, the big Washington press corps is all up, up, and up and buzzing about, uh, did Barack Obama snub Hillary Clinton? Oh, man, have you seen that photograph that everybody's uh, running? No, there's one photograph? Really? I haven't seen it. There's, no. there's a photograph, and I actually wasn't, wasn't going to bring it up because it, it, it just it, other things, but there's this photograph 
because I guess the deal is last night Ted Kennedy was sitting and his odd looking his phallic nose. He, Ted Kennedy was sitting behind Barack Obama. Um, and apparently, and I didn't see this, but from judging from the response of some people I know who watched it, um, they said that the weird thing was seeing what lines in the president's speech Hillary would applaud, you know, and then Barack wouldn't. Like, I think at one point, uh, Bush said something about, you know, people have doubted the surge, but it is slowly but surely having an effect or whatever. And I guess... The assessment was, and I didn't see it, but that Hillary like immediately leapt to her feet and clapped, and then, but Obama did like nothing, like he didn't respond at all. Mm. Um, and it, apparently, again, just secondhand information, but it, he said it. My friend Chris said at some point it seems, at some points it seemed like Hillary was waiting to gauge what Obama was going to do before huh. she herself responded. But then at the end, everyone had done it. The speech is over. Everybody they kind of break up. Um, Hillary goes over and shakes Kennedy's hand. Right. And I guess at that point, Barack very uh, abruptly and very, you know, just did a complete about face and turned and walked away so as to sort of not be present for the moment. And apparently there's this... Well, is he, I think he was between them, perhaps, even. And I think he sort of just turned turned his body, like turned turned his head. Yeah, because it, because they had been sitting right next to each other. I don't think he other. walked away, because I don't, I don't think he could have in that position. I can't really tell from the photograph. It's like he sort of swiveled sort of a way, and there is, the great thing about it is you've got Hillary shaking Ted Kennedy's hand, Obama who's there and who's sort of averting his eyes anyway in a very demonstrable physical fashion, and then there is someone who looks like an usher or, you know, like a... Like One a, of the sergeant at arms. Yeah, right. who is looking on with this look on her face of, like she, like it just reflects all the awkwardness in the room. She has this. Huh. She and has this. And that photo. It, I was. On, I saw it on Yahoo News today. Okay, that's where I'll look. So right. I don't want to make it sound more dramatic than it is, but it is a pretty great snapshot. It's one oh, of those photos well, that will sum and, up the year. Yeah. You no, know, and you know Obama, who's supposed to be above it all. It just politics is just so nasty. And I mean, I guess she didn't really reach out for his hands, or I guess she got the message, or she thought, I don't know, who knows. Well, that's the other thing is that Hillary and Obama, even weirder than Hillary shaking Ted Kennedy's hand and Obama turning away. And look what nerds we are. We're sitting here analyzing this like it's a Britney Spears <laughs> video. What's so what was so awkward about it? Is I guess that just you know that Hillary and Obama are literally like two inches from each other, no eye contact, no hello, no how are you. It's like a recently divorced couple who have a friend in common and they're at that guy's wedding, you know. And it's, it's like okay, we both have to be here, but we're not going to look at each other, we're not going to talk, and in two hours we're going to be drunk and you know and leave and never see each other again, you right. know. Well, you know, in my quick, uh, you know, Google search for that photo, I am happy to report that I, I came up with uh, an article though that's saying. Sneaks upset by snub of by Hillary Clinton. Apparently, a, a bunch of Sikhs in uh, California were felt they were snubbed by Hillary Clinton last year. So I, I just bring that up because because uh, that's just what the internet crazy. Yeah, what the internet fed back to you. Are you on tomorrow? I will be here tomorrow. Yeah, fantastic. All right, we will uh, do a recap and talk more uh, about all of this uh, tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day. Okay, great. You too. All right, as always, a pleasure, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. That's the uh, political dome coming back uh, up, and then uh, Sarah once again is interested in the show. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I just know, you know, the great thing about me talking to Lisa is I know we can spin off into our own orbit of nerddom, but it's like a supplemental Sarah special internet time. It is. It's you like know 20 what? minutes where you don't have to listen or care about anything. And I heard, I heard Obama, and I heard penis nose, yeah, and then I heard yeah, yeah, something Obama. about something. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Um... Oh, God. See, and of course, as soon as I say the words, I'm going to quit saying Ron Paul. I'm going to start going, wah, wah, because as soon as you say it, it's like my inbox just starts to fill up with just this nutcasery.
I gotta put. I'm gonna set up a Ron Paul filter. You know what? He really has a chance. Oh no, Tim. He's no. It's a groundswell of popular opinion. Always trust a guy who wants to abolish public libraries. That's who you want as president. Jesus. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna set up a special Ron Paul spam filter. As soon as it sees the words Ron and and I'm, I'm sorry if your name happens to be Paul Ronson or something, because as soon as this sees the words Ron and Paul, it's gonna go right to the trash starting like today. Uh, well, let's see if I should take these calls, and then we'll come back with the uh, news hour. Tim, are you preparing news for us? Yes, yes. It's all very exciting. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Rick. Hello, you. Hello. Hi. Hey, man, this is uh, Sheet Metal Darren. We met at the 7707 while yes. back. Yes, indeed. And uh, I've been emailing you and trying to contact you because I'm with, uh, I do hip-hop locally. Have I responded? You have not. Ah, sorry. And nice. I've made a... I'm a great listener to your show. I love you, yes, Tim and Sarah. Hey, guys. And I made this sounder that I was hoping maybe you could at least listen to. And uh, What is the nature of the sounder, sir? What is it? Uh, the nature of the sounder would be like a sounder for the Rick Emerson show. But, I mean, is it like just you speaking, or is it a song, or what is it? No, it, it's a song. I used one of the beats that you usually open up to, uh, specifically the Eminem role model. Oh, no, we played I that. A, I did a little. What's that? We played that. We we played that a couple weeks ago. Um, Because it, it, you call yourself Irish or something? Yeah, Irish. We played yeah. that, Sarah. Oh, and we, no because, for, this is No, it was great because, actually, at one point, at one point, blah, blah, I forget exactly how this, this came about, but uh, I'm trying to remember. The, wasn't there some conversation we had about him? And then and then we discovered, I don't know, I'm trying to remember now. Uh, well, but, uh, and we played it a couple times. We played, but anyway, yeah, we played, we played the song, though. Oh, cool. So it's you uh, your fault like it, for not being a devoted enough listener, sir. Feel guilt yeah, about I it right now. I guess so. Well, then uh, I, I may need to apologize because I uh, just recorded a, a local cable show uh, Sunday. And uh, I kind of now. Where do those even on. air these days? I thought that channel went away. I thought that there was no longer any place to put those. No, channel there's 11? actually a, a Dirty Dog Productions has started this thing on uh, Channel 11 and 21. I guess they used to do some wrestling show or, yeah. or something like that, and now they've started to divulge in uh, local hip hop and whatnot. And they've had such names as like Afro Man and Tech Nine on there for a couple shows. And, Afro uh, Man. Yeah, right, and they uh, uh, actually just went in there on Sunday to record well, uh, a little bit about myself. Here's the thing. Uh, drop me an email about it. I promise not to ignore it this time, and I'll tell you what, uh, sometime today we'll play that song again. Excellent. Appreciate All right. it, Rick. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, bye there. All right, thanks. Tim's a big Afro Man fan. Who is that? Yes. Back after this with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Don't go anywhere. Well, that is probably that is probably fair to do. We are the rest of the people in the room, as opposed to you. I'm not saying she was unattractive. I didn't know that. If we can just say no, this, we were, linguistically speaking, I didn't know. People have no idea. Let's keep it that way. I, I should explain it though. It doesn't matter. He's not dating her anymore. Yeah, but you're gonna go there. I was just gonna. Well, that's true. Yeah. I was just gonna say. We were discussing this girl at the plaid pantry, uh, whom Tim Timmy Ryan is no longer dating, apparently. And we were discussing her and her, it's her loss. And, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but we were just talking about uh, types of girls that different people find attractive or something. And the weird thing is that Sarah said, "Well, you know, we we have different tastes or we have different standards." And I said, "Who is we?" And then Sarah <laughs> said, "Me and Tim." 
And which it was just sort of weird that you like, well because because he was kind of with me because you were like oh you know whenever you talk about girls you're like oh she's I, really hot and I thought I'm like, she was hot. I've never seen her in person to be fair. All I've seen is a blurry cell phone picture of her. So sometimes the camera could lie. I suppose we should end this now. Here's it's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The snow advisory about 500 feet remains in effect till 10 o'clock tonight for the Willamette Valley, Clark County, and the I-5 corridor all the way into Cullis County. Once again, it remains in effect till 10 o'clock tonight. A storm system will move through the area today and tonight bring periods of snow, mainly about 500 to 1,000 feet. Then it'll rise after that. As of uh, this morning... Weather spotters report four inches of snow in Dallas, two and a half inches in Gaston, and much more in Forest Grove. I had the uh, Forest Grove had 4.5 inches. It was also snowing at my house. <laughs> that really helps everybody. This <laughs> <laughs> just in, snowing it here. Um, there, how much was it, like, substantial? Was it sticking? It was, and it was blowing in my face as I was trying to walk a dog. Yeah, but that was, but that's sort of charming in a in a picturesque Norman Rockwell kind of way. It is. Was I mean, were they the big puffy like suburban snowflakes? Yes. Here, see, we don't get that in southeast. We get the hard, hard, icy, cold sleet. That's all we get. I get little razors of ice uh, that go into my eyes as I'm trying to take Max out for a walk. You get like the big puffy gossamer snowflakes that float gently to earth like the wings of an angel. Uh, North Plains, where all kinds of bad things always happen, has five inches of snow. Detroit has 12. Uh, Detroit? Here, in uh, Oregon. There's a Detroit, Oregon? Yeah. Where? It's, uh, let's see, I think it's Route 20 or or 22 as you're heading into Bend. Boy, I feel bad for people. I mean, mean, really, what a a bad name for a town. How sad. Okay. It's nice, it's got a lake there. Okay, so it's not at all, it's not like Detroit, Michigan in any way. No, there are people rap dancing in the street there and... (laughs) Slicing each other's throats with broken glass. No. <laughs> I can always count on you. <laughs> I can always count on you for a good one sentence summation of an entire region. Uh huh. Wow. This email says, Hey, it's snowing like a mother at Tigard. And then he says, All caps. Hellstorm 2008 has begun. Alert the media. Start standing on corners, pointing at the ground. Show us what snow looks like. And then his next email is, this just in. Hellstorm 2008, over. So there you go. If you uh, blinked, you missed it. Here's Tim Riley. Trapped by hypothermia and frostbite, but they're still alive. After nearly three days of searching, in eastern Oregon, they have found two snowmobilers who have been missing in the Wallawa Mountains since Saturday. Uh, they received a call from the wife of a snowmobiler from Enterprise reporting her husband and a friend... Failed to return from a snowmobile trip. 18-year-old Brendan Anderson from uh, Joseph and 52-year-old Sam Bowman from Enterprise was supposed to be back around 8 o'clock. They were snowmobiling about 40 miles southeast of Joseph in an area called Sugarloaf. No one has ever heard of any of these places. No. I had a sh- showing- Go ahead. Right, they're failing to return. They uh, went searching for them. They finally found them. So they have frostbite and hypothermia. Uh, snowmobiling just seems like one of those things that's dangerous. I know that it's, oh, it's not... Fun. I mean, well, maybe... Have you... Really? Have you gone snowmobiling? I have. Well, I, I grew up in a snowy region. Yeah, I didn't know you you people had snowmobiles. Of course. I thought you'd just be out ice fishing or... I've done that, too. Hauling blocks of frozen whatever back to the house to put in the fridge next to the butter. That's only in Christmas cards. All right. Uh, anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, snowmobiling just... 
It's like using one of those all-terrain vehicles or something. I'm sure that it's relatively safe. It just seems incredibly dangerous. Uh, it seems like one of those things that's just going to end on a lot of broken limbs. I suppose so. It never happened to me. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. I suppose living in Portland is just as dangerous as uh, a snowmobiling. But, uh, by the way, Richie is the best call screener ever. <laughs> I just wanted to say something about uh, Ted Kennedy. What makes him unacceptable? <laughs> oh, you, you realize what you just said, right? I do. I'm sorry. You know you can't say that. No, I I do, but I screwed up. That was I know that was a genuine reaction. <laughs> okay. He didn't know. Anywho, hey, moving Ted on. Ted Kennedy. Hey, maybe Ted Kennedy. Maybe that was all part of their plan. I mean, uh, to distract everybody with his penis. Well, nose? the idea that well, no, the idea that he would, uh, the idea that he would endorse Obama would sort of like I would think would put the knife right in the in the heart of of his campaign. Well, no, I I don't. I mean. We're talking more about this tomorrow. Not vote, I'm definitely not voting for anybody that is endorsed by Ted Kennedy. I was talking about this with Court and Fatboy <laughs> yesterday, saying that that I suppose there's. I think if you listen to Kink a lot, uh, I don't think I've ever listened to that. Well, maybe that's what the handshake was about. I'm they just saying, like, I, I, Clinton was like, "Thanks, thanks for thanks for putting the boot in," uh, because I think if you like shop at Pottery Barn all the time or something, maybe the Kennedy I endorsement does something. Yeah, does something for you. But I think for the average American moron. Having an endorsement by Ted Kennedy either doesn't do anything or makes you much less desirable. I mean, well, having your hand shaken uh, by like a like like a a big uh, he looks sort of like Boris Yeltsin if you jammed a hose into him and just let it run for a while. So, well, right. you can't yeah. you can't help but notice all the gin blossoms that he's got. But uh, all right, <laughs> have Any, a good day. Thank you. No other witty bon mots to share with us. So I think we had to bleep that. But so he said, Richie's the best call screener ever. And then I said, that's not Richie today, that's Timmy Ryan. And he went, no S. So he clearly was so stunned and taken aback. Here's Tim Riley. So well, I'm going to save this for a minute. But first, I picked up this new magazine from CBS called Watch. And I don't see any stories about watches in here. No. Or any pictures of a watch, a wrist watch or pocket watch. Or what, what type of watch is, is this supposed to be about? So here's a funny story about Watch Magazine. A little so, girl gave me this. So that, uh, that little, and, and that little girl... Was Lucy Reynolds, page two. Uh, Susan's daughter Lucy was here yesterday and uh, was busying herself by distributing that. So here's, uh, let me tell you about this. So Tim is holding in his hands this glossy magazine about the size and shape of, uh, I would say, like U.S. Weekly or Us Weekly or whatever that's called. People, maybe. Um, you know, it's a regular glossy magazine. Um, so we were getting ready to have our, our promo meeting yesterday. And Dave Zinn appears at Susan's office and he's like, um, somebody's here with a pallet of magazines. And I mean... I don't know if you've ever seen what a pallet of magazines looks like. I'm in a pallet of anything. A pallet is like one of those things they have at Costco. It was just like a huge, you know, it's it, it, it's like five by five boards. Where, and one of the, you know, like at Costco, you'll see like a, you know, ten thousand bottles of Gatorade or something all put on a pallet. So, somebody, presumably somebody at CBS Corporate, sent us a pallet of these magazines, like to this building. And I don't really know for what purpose. Like, I don't really know who they're thinking is going to re- I asked, I, I won't name this person, but I asked an employee upstairs yesterday. I said, who is the target demographic for this watch magazine? And she just said, sad employees. And then she just, just sort of shuffled off. So it is the CBS magazine. I mean, first of all, who knew that CBS had a magazine? I didn't. Second of all, I mean... They expect you to subscribe to what? that. I mean, you, how much do you think this magazine costs if you were to buy it? It said two ninety nine. Two ninety nine. Oh boy. I mean, 
I really don't understand the point of this magazine or who it's for. Well, what if you're about. waiting upstairs to speak with Dave Zinn, you can read that or look at highlights. Is, is that the, do they still sell highlights? Yes, I started my optometrist office. I was reading it. Were they new issues? Brand or, new. Really? Yeah. Do they still have Goofus and They Galant? do not. At least I thought it was Gallant. At least not in the issue Gallant that I was Galant. reading. I'll see now. I don't even know. What's the pronunciation of that? Gallant. Gallant or Gallant? I thought it was Gallant. I think it's like one of those Babar Babar things. Yeah. No, because I think it's the word Gallant. Gallantly. Gallant. Gallant. I can't. I think that might be one of those things where I just maybe they say that in France or in San Francisco. I think it might be one of those things that where as a kid I somehow decided it was pronounced that way and then it just stuck with me. Like I have that I have that friend of mine who um, even now as an adult when he sees the word chaos in his head he goes chose like that's he just says that or Penelope. Um, anyway, so this is watch watch with an exclamation mark. That's how you know it's exciting. <laughs> Uh, Watch Magazine, the cover story, Celine Dion, taking chances with a hot new album and leaving Las Vegas. Let's see what else. Um, something about the Grammys. Let's see. What else is in here? I mean, I, can you fathom how much it must cost? There's some print? quotes from Suzanne Plachette. <laughs> oh, my God. At, at, at a reunion party. <laughs> really? What is we the quote? Newhart. What is, what's that bright light? <laughs> no, it's, oh, it's Susan Plachette <laughs> attending a Bob that, Newhart. You know that's funny. It's in there. And Mom, they just deliver them. Um, all right. Uh, let's see here. David Caruso is coming up next month, by the way. <laughs> then, there, then there are some CBS cocktails in there also. And we can subscribe for a whole year if we'd like. Jesus. Yeah, and I'm looking here at the masthead where it lists, like, who crit, editor-in-chief, publisher, all of their uh, email addresses, Indian, at CBS.com. Maybe we should... We should uh, email the publisher asking him what the demographic is. I can't. I mean, I think the demographic must just. Uh, I think it must be people who are looking. Uh, the demographic is people who are interested in magazines uh, that they can idly flick their eyes over to and then completely disregard while waiting for an optometry appointment. That's what I'm thinking. I'm sorry. Or a dentist. Let's, uh, oh, here we go. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson radio program Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru. Hi. <laughs> Anyone with a pair of eyeballs, I think, is. I. I mean, really, honestly. They called me and they said, hey, we've got this new great magazine. Can we send some to your station? And then you can hand them out. To whom? Well, you know, I guess listeners. <laughs> to, to a rabid public that can't wait to get their hands on this magazine? Yeah, so I said, okay, sure. Send us some copies. You know, we always need things to give away when we're out and about, you know, as we do with our six stations. Uh-huh. But I didn't really expect a, a truck to back up with a pallet. I saw the truck. The truck was huge. And, I mean, how many, I mean, that pallet, I mean, it was a regular, like a Costco-sized pallet, right? Yeah, and while I was, you know, debating what to do, what to do, you know, Dave is tapping his foot and saying, oh, you know, they're blocking traffic out there on Front what, Avenue. Actually, what, what, and Dave kept saying, Dave, Dave kept saying this, Dave kept going, you know, I'm on break, so um, <laughs> right. I really, if you could get this handled. Right, and I felt bad, you know, I don't want to interfere with the break and all, but, um, you know, I was just trying to figure out what do I do, what do I do, and now, you know, it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and the, and the traffic is starting to build up out there, and then I go out, and the truck driver's like, okay, you got a, you know, a, a, a cart so you can wheel these in? I go, oh, no, no, I'm wearing high heels. You're going to have to bring these in, <laughs> you know, so. I know, but let me just say this, by yeah. the way, mm-hmm. where were the rest of them? Uh, the rest of who? The magazine. Oh, they were on the truck in boxes. 
Oh. I, can I just tell you this? I don't know who the target demographic for this magazine is, but I must assume that it's people who are sickly and clinging to life in an ICU because every single ad is for some prescription medicine. Like some, every single ad is one of those advertisements where the whole backside of the page is nothing but small print telling you the side effects, including your toenails turning black, you know? Oh, well, I'd like to read that. <laughs> oh, and the scariest picture I have ever seen is Celine Dion. Oh, well, there, Ew, that, that no. describes every picture. Of no, no, no. This is like, she looks like an H.R. Giger painting. This is really, really unpleasant. Yeah. All well, right. so, you know, I did convince the truck driver to actually physically bring all the boxes inside, and I found a wall to stack them up against. And, Jesus. You know, and now I guess all of our listeners will be receiving this magazine out at every single one of our events from now till the end of time. Please tell me how many copies of this we have. Two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's stupid. <laughs> that's wonderful. Uh, that's yeah. almost as good as the three-dollar cover price that they have here. Yeah. Well, you know what? The good news is our listeners are going to get it for free. Well, excellent. They are an information-hungry people. And then you know our people recycle, so that's the good news there too. <laughs> sure, they do. All right. So I just thought I'd give you the inside scoop as much as I know. All right. Oh, by the way, Susan, yeah. uh, speaking, I'm sorry, I hate to, to no. take more time out of the news hour here, but I, uh, we had a guy asking about the spam sculpting contest yesterday, yeah. and his question was, he said, can I use toothpicks if they are not visible? In other words, oh. can they be used as sort of pins to hold pieces of spam together? Oh. And my response was, and I said I hadn't checked the rules, mm -hmm. but that my gut response was, if the toothpicks were were not visible and were only used in terms of structural support, right. it would probably be okay, but they should not be visible. They couldn't be used for any sort of aesthetic augmentation. Right, because, you know, I can guarantee one thing. If we can't see it, we're not going to go digging through the sculpture there, to see if they have anything in there, there you know, you a foreign substance. That should be the, that should that should be their guideline then. Yes, it should not be seen. All right, excellent. Um, because we did say I think that you know people if they wanted to use food coloring, right? Didn't we? I think so. Yeah, yeah you just can't be like adding tin foil. No, or little flags, yeah. or you know, jelly beans, or whatever else you yes. know they might use to enhance. Um, you know, but leave it to our listeners to come up with these questions. We we you know already there have been things asked that I never. Yeah, really, their inquiries have outstripped the little bit of spam sculpting knowledge that I possess. So, <laughs> all right, thank you, Susan. Okay, thanks, guys. There you go, Susan Reynolds. We have two thousand of these magazines. How fantastic for us! So, if we ask for highlights, just a couple, would they send us a, a truckload of them? I'm still back on the fact that highlights doesn't have Goofus and Gallant anymore. Not Don't the they? I looked at. That's the free bird of that highlights like magazine. Staple. That really is. It wasn't there. I'm disgusted. All right, here's. Hey, I have a question, Tim. Sure. <laughs> You have that tone of voice like it's, you know it's almost certainly going to be something you don't care about and can't answer. Uh, my question is this. I'm looking here at this uh, issue of uh, whenever watch with an exclamation mark from CBS. And this is, let's see, where are we here? Uh, this is Volume 3, Issue 1. So it's been out for three years. No, but is that true? Volume means year. Are you sure about that? Yes. How, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in that? 99%. Okay. We so, just haven't requested it till now. Well, we just didn't know it was available. <laughs> now that I know it's there, I'm going to, in fact, I might have, there's a, there's a card here so that I can subscribe. I might actually do that. Uh, all right. Here's Tim Riley. So getting back to the Sacagawea statue. Oh, the investigation continues into the stolen mangled mess that used to be Sacagawea and her baby. 
Uh, uh, police in the band have arrested three Plus, men. No, by the way, that we're talking about a statue. Right. We're, we're not. We're not talking about an actual. You know. Well, nobody right. knows where Sacagawea was buried. Is that true? I found it in my Sacagawea research yesterday. Is that one of the many things? One of the many exciting factoids. There's one fake grave and then one real grave, and they don't know where she is. Well, now she's at the Ben Scrapyard. Uh, <laughs> place in That's how I want to go. Men and are looking for a fourth. <laughs> it was found in pieces with a head missing. Also, how I want to go. Investigators could face federal charges. Uh, they found pieces near the uh, rear, rear taillight of this uh, vehicle. Apparently, they were trying to wrestle uh, Sacagawea and her baby, and they knocked out one of their taillights. You can also see the drag marks in the cement where they dragged uh, Sacagawea and her baby. This whole thing is so surreal. This uh, five-and-a-half-foot statue was uh, taken from Fort Clatsop National Memorial near Astoria last weekend. Well, yesterday... A Ben scrap metal dealer called police about a suspicious metal his business had received. They identified it as a missing statue. It is worth $20,000, but it was cut up and sold for $200. The next day, police found someone who had tried to sell the statue to a scrap metal yard in Portland as well. So, uh, three people have been arrested, and, uh, oh, one is charged of methamphetamine possession. They also linked the Clansom County man to the statue's theft. So, uh... Apparently, they face federal charges because this occurred at a national park. So Sacagawea was sold for two hundred dollars. Well, it's worth. A she common, was sold for last time. A apparently, practice to get drug money. <laughs> I think last time she was just sold for a pelt. So you know, she's appreciated in value, Tim. That is true. A uh, Vancouver police say a man fired uh, several rounds from a handgun during a domestic dispute. Nobody was hurt. He was a lousy shot. 37-year-old Andrew Coburn had a verbal argument with his wife or girlfriend or both and fired a gun into a wall. A SWAT team was called out because police feared that there might be more weapons inside the home. Uh, this fellow Coburn eventually left the home and was arrested without incident. He was booked on charges of domestic violence, harassment, and reckless endangerment. Really, nobody named uh, Coburn is ever going to be up to anything good. A guy named Coburn is always going to be chewing tobacco and stabbing your eyes out with a corncob pipe. Especially in Washington State. Yeah. Uh, apparently, this, people are now mining the new issue of why. I guess Watch Watch Magazine from CBS has a website um, because the the kids love the information superhighway. Apparently, they have such hard hitting journalism as the Beatles are one of the most influential acts of the 20th century. <laughs> well done, CBS. Thy finger is on the pulse. You can tell the writers are on strike. I w- <laughs> I wonder how much it costs to make and deliver this magazine. Uh, Tim's office still doesn't have heat. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, the Panasonic uh, Projection Telephone Assembly Plant in Clark County is laying off 89 workers and closing permanently effective March 29th. Who knew that they made projection televisions here? They do, or did. Uh, Panasonic of America says it'll offer employees severance and full health insurance. Based on their years of service, at its peak, the plant employed 400 people making televisions. So, uh, the company started business in, in uh, 1980, around there, the boom years for Japanese investment in Clark County. So, uh, ever since the Japanese have lost uh, interest in Vancouver. <laughs> As have we all. Um, except for Timmy Ryan, who apparently goes there to pick up lovely Latin ladies. He was sharing that with us. Apparently, he's got some place he goes to, and uh, we asked where it was, and... He said, I go to some bar called the blah, 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 the what's it? And we said, where's it? He goes, it's Vancouver. It's where I pick up the chicas, he said. So, oh, no, it's Aaron, beware. Women. Yeah, Timmy is pilfering your women, Aaron. Um, so, what was I going to say? Oh, so projection, projection TVs. Now, this is 
because I just have the regular old cathode ray type. Um, so now is a projection TV that kind that they used to have in like 1985 at Chuck E. Cheese, where it was like the three huge yeah. tubes, like one yellow, one blue, one green. And you can see the dots on the screen. Totally, yeah. yeah. And it was like, and it was all dim and fuzzy and whatnot. But it was the only real advantage was that it was huge. Right, anything big is okay. It doesn't matter what it looks like as long as it's big. That's that is the total. You, that's America, really. It, it is America. I want the Dominator X10. Well, you can get this small set of Bose speakers. No, 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 no. It's got to be the Dominator X10 with the additional subwoofer and uh, invertebrator. I remember going to, and it was always at a place like a low-rent Chuck E. Cheese type establishment, and they would have some bad like loop of Bugs Bunny cartoons running on this projection TV. And it, the projection TVs of the 80s were sort of like the uh, the YouTube videos of now, where, like, it sort of worked, I guess. It was kind of cool, but it was sort of grainy and bad and underlit. And so is that what they're talking about when they say projection TVs? Yes. Like, what need is there for those? I can't even imagine who would... We should take a break. We should totally go to break. Now, right now. <laughs> wow, what a week this already is. <laughs> uh, I'm going to spend this break reading Watch Magazine from CBS and gleaning show prep from it. Stay there for Emerson's show. Really is how I operate. You definitely have a type. The bleaker, the better. Uh, it, which is the, it, which is not how I like my books to be. I'm not a big fan of bleak uh, novels. Even you know, like as much as I liked that in the Heart of the Sea book and whatever. I, I'm not like Lara tried to get me to read a bunch of a bunch of Dorothy Allison novels or whatever, and I made it through Bastard of Carolina, and I was like, that's it, I'm done. I don't need to read any more novels about oh, sweaty girls being raped by so their dads. Ugh. Like I. I have a bunch of trailer park incest. No, thanks. There's no good that comes out of that book. No. Uh, but movies, it, the ideal Rick Emerson film is like a 90-minute movie uh, where everything goes terrible, and then at the end, they all get hit, you know, they all get cancer and then are hit by an asteroid. That's it. That's the best. Just like an end, like a downward spiral of steps. All right, ladies, on that note, here's Tim Riley from the Ministry of Truth. What? Time for a corpse lot. Fantastic. I'm digging up home. Here's Tim Riley with your Corpse Watch for Tuesday. First of all, I hope everybody has eaten. <laughs> <laughs> Always a promising start to a news item. <laughs> this is a news story. Okay. It comes to us from Salem. You know, you don't have to preface uh, graphic things w with the news story uh, disclaimer. The FCC doesn't care about violence. That's they care about buttocks. <laughs> but buttocks. Uh, the, uh... It's scary to children, apparently. <laughs> yes. Well, a man who pleaded guilty to killing Christopher Lampkin had his sentencing delayed until Thursday, but not before he heard from the victim's relatives. Leonardo Gonzalez chopped off Lampkin's head and legs after shooting him execution-style in April 2008. Gonzalez stuffed the remains of a 23-year-old sailor man into a duffel bag and asked the son of a McMinnville farmer to feed them to pigs. The farmer's son, however, placed the bag inside an empty barrel 
And he found it, well, it was found months later by Salem detectives oh, acting on a tip. That's no good. A uh, Lampkin's friends and relatives called Gonzalez a terrible person. Which <laughs> seems like an accurate Who assessment. Who could debate such a thing? You are a very bad man. Capable of inconceivable cruelty, terror, and torment. Uh, he faces 25 years to life for the murder. The judge has delayed sentencing until Thursday because of a confusion over a legal technicality. Uh, Gonzalez and a friend force... Okay, this is the bad part, right? Oh. <laughs> the, 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 bad, the rest was sort of a pleasing aperitif. Yeah. Gonzalez and a cousin forced Lampkin to his knees and made him bank for his life in their Salem apartment. Oh. According to Gonzalez, he became paranoid when he heard a knock at the door. He said, quote, I became convinced he was scoping out the apartment to rip me off, he said in the statement to the judge. I was really afraid somebody was going to rob me or shoot me. They shot Lankin in the head and then dragged his body to the bathtub. They used kitchen kn knives to uh, cut off uh, different parts. Uh, they were, what remained of the body was found at the farm, but the severed head and legs have not been recovered. Lankin's mother identified the body by a watch left, uh, strapped to the corpse's left arm. Uh, we were thrilled when the trigger... Oh, were you thrilled when the trigger was pulled? Lampkin's grandmother, Vicky, asked Gonzalez during the statement. Or did the thrill come when you chopped up the body? That seems like a rhetorical mm -hmm. question. Uh, Gonzalez's cousin, Victor, pled guilty to assault, hindering prosecution, abuse of a corpse, unlawful use of a weapon, and being a felon in possession with a firearm. His sentencing is uh, on uh, February 12th. The former son was offered immunity in exchange for his cooperation. Now... Is this the guys who were going to feed the body to pigs? Yes. So did that not happen? No, the farmer said no. He didn't want to feed the body to pigs, apparently. How did they approach? I mean... Yeah, I mean, what kind of relationship do you have with the farmer to begin with? <laughs> that you to think like... you can do... Look, uh, head. remember how last year I lent you some hedge clippers? Now, I need you to do something for me. Could your pigs eat like a good-sized body? <sighs> Jesus. Okay. Well, the farmer... <laughs> Once again, he placed the bag inside an empty barrel. It was found months later. Oh, so he wasn't averse to hiding the box. Well, what a moron that guy is. So he's no, no, fine. No. I don't think he made... He, he hasn't... Uh, Did they, he hasn't been charged with anything. But, I mean... He may, might have not known what it was. Here's... Uh, I'm going to hand you a blood-stained duffel bag. Now, don't open it. And just get rid of it. And don't ever look inside. Right, people who live in farms are used to, uh, you know, bloody things. <laughs> I suppose it's true. There, I, I lived out in the country before I moved up here. And, Did people often hand you blood-soaked bags? No, but I remember trucks going by that said on the side, mobile slaughtering. I mean, <laughs> exactly. I mean, where do they draw the line on that? <laughs> there were what trucks is, going by that said mobile slaughtering. <laughs> they're, sort of the, they're sort of the rural equivalent of those um, those Iron Mountain shredding trucks that are always parked downtown. Uh -huh. Where in, there's the window on the side of the truck, and you can just see the paper filings. Like, stacking up as the day goes on. This is the same county. This is Yamhill County. Uh, they have mobile slaughtering. Look it up in the yellow page. What, what let's do it now. What business are you in? Well, I'm in that mobile slaughtering business. So where do they draw the line? What they will slaughter, what they will not slaughter. That's a good question. Oh, yeah. An honest dollar is an honest dollar, is it not? <laughs> it really is. Um, well, I have to say this. It wasn't a blood-soaked bag, but... Um, it, it was a barrel. No, and I'm just saying, in my life, uh, when uh, when I lived in Utah... I knew a guy who I will not identify. Uh, I knew a guy who, as the government would term it, um, and may have termed it by now, as the government would term it, they would say he had no visible means of support. Uh, you know, in other words, he had a car, he had a house, uh, you know, always seemed to be food in the fridge, didn't really seem to have a job. 
not even like dealing. Like he seemed to he seemed to have no no job at all. Like meth, like many people we know, just seemed to sort of exist. And as it came out, he had this weird thing going on. And this really isn't like one of those like a friend of mine where it's like me. This really was a guy I knew. He had this deal. I don't know how he sort of fell into this, but like once every I don't know few weeks, a guy would come by the house, knock on the door. This guy would answer the you know the door, and this guy would hand him a sealed like a large sealed box like a like a brown paper package tied up with string type box and the guy would hand him a box and the deal was he didn't open the box he didn't look in the box he would store the box up in the attic and then a few weeks later somebody else would come by and ask to pick the box up and all he had to do was take the box store it in his attic for a few weeks not open it or look at it in any way and then wait for some other guy to come by and go yeah, I'm here for the box. And he would go, okay. And he'd, you know, get the box out of the attic, hand it to the other guy. And for that, he was given like, I don't know, like a grand or two a month. That was his whole deal. They gave him like two grand a month just to... Would you do it? Oh, God, no. F that. Are you kidding me? I mean, then maybe. Maybe, but probably not. Probably not even then. I mean, even when I was like dirt poor, I don't think so. Because, I mean, because there's no... Like... Everybody now picture what you What's th- in the box? That's what I'm saying. You know what that box is? That box is like Marcellus's briefcase. No matter what is in there, it's something bad. I don't care what you think is in that box. It's something that's going to end poorly for you. Especially because you know that the longer you are that... And I always wanted to, like... I always wanted to be like, don't you want to open the box a little bit just to see what's inside? No, so you, you need to have the proper restraint. No, I but, think I could do but it. But I wouldn't have the proper restraint. I would eventually open the box. I would eventually be the guy steaming it open. And then, of course, it would all go to hell. I couldn't get the box closed again. Some Temple of Doom thing would happen. Right? <laughs> I know. Were the Nazi's eyeballs coming up? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm drunk from the wrong grail. Um... But and then you would not be able to seal the box properly again. And you if know, I was going to have the box for a set period of time, if like they said, hang on to this box for six months and you'll get two thousand dollars. Okay, let me ask you this. I right would now. totally do it. Okay, I want you to picture somebody you know. Okay. Who is, who you know a little bit, not that well, and who is, maybe seems a little shady. You don't know that they've done anything, but they seem like they might be a little shady. Okay, got it. Okay, that guy, and I know it's a guy. That guy it's comes guy. to you and says. Look, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna give you a package to hold, about the size of a microwave. It's a box, it's sealed up. Look, you don't need to look in it. You don't need to do anything with it. But I'm going to give this to you, and you just uh, put it somewhere where uh, nothing's going to happen to it. Nobody's going to see it. Just leave it alone. And uh, somebody else will be by next month the same time to pick it up. And uh, you just give it to them, no questions. Don't worry about it. And uh, I'll give you uh, $2,000. I would totally do it. See? No way. I would totally do it in, in a second. Yeah. Tim? Maybe. See, well, kind of, guys, think, I'm surprised that Tim would even consider it. No, it's it. funny the things that you will do when you're in a financial cul-de-sac. Is it, Sarah? <laughs> no, not dancing lady funny, but like holding a severed head. <laughs> dancing lady funny. <laughs> no, but like holding a severed head in a box for a month for $2,000. I'm not saying it's a severed head. You don't know what it is. Exactly. See, the thing is, I would eventually give in to my own demons, though. I would open it up and look at it, my own but curiosity. But you have to live with the fact that you knew what was in there. Well, it's not just, no, see, but I don't care about that. I, it, it, so you'd rather know than not know? No, like, it's a, I would never be able to... Look, here's the thing, is that uh, I would open the box, and then I wouldn't be able to close it properly again. And I would think... I Here's what exactly what would happen. You know this would happen. I would close it. Two weeks later, guy knocks at the door. I'm here for the box. And I say, okay, uh, here you go. Here's that box that hasn't been opened at all. Nobody's touched that box. Nobody's looked inside. And he, you know that he would look at it and go, it's been opened. 
And at that point, you're like, oh, please don't kill me. <laughs> I mean, that's I would eventually open it, and then they would feed me to pigs uh, in uh, Vernonia or whatever. So, the end. There's your corpse. <laughs> <watch. laughs> I'm digging up bones. I'm digging up bones. Zooming things that's better left alone. Looking at mobile slaughtering on the internet, I'm sure HR will be really happy about that. Uh, Mr. Emerson, could you? Uh, it was in Yamhill <laughs> County. <laughs> of course, it was. Slaw. Mm-hmm. Mobile slaughtering. Slaw. Yamhill County. Did you ever meet somebody with the last name of Slaughter, and you wonder what that's all about? Like Marie Slaughter? Yeah, and you're like, why would you? First of all, that's who a cool last name? Who came up with that name, and why would you keep it? Like one of my all-time favorite movies is this Hal Hartley film called Trust. The lead character's name is Matthew Slaughter, and I do love the movie a lot, but it just seems like an oddly evocative name, like for no readily apparent. Here we go. Raul's um, mom's maiden name is Blood. Really? See, that's kind of cool. is the coolest name Hello, ever? Hello, Mrs. Blood. Here we go. Wimsat Mobile Slaughtering. Uh-huh. Do they have a website? Okay, I'm a, I'll, I'll, I'll look into this. Here's Tim Riley. Urban Legends, True or False? Millions of Atari games are buried in the New Mexico desert. Are you quizzing me on Urban Legends? Yes, true. Absolutely. It was 1983. Things couldn't have gotten worse for Atari. They had that terrible tie-in with Steven Spielberg's smash hit E.T., giving the software giant a black eye. So they had boatloads, millions of games, 10 million cartridges they couldn't sell to disinterested customers. Here's the thing about that game. E.T. is not only the worst game in the history of all video games. Here's how dumb Atari was. I mean, this is really like, this is, this is inconceivably dumb. They made more games than there were consoles to play them on. There were only like 5 million consoles in existence. Let's make 10 million, 10 million cartridges. Like, for what possible reason? Anyway, go ahead. So roughly 10 million cartridges have been buried in a desert, a city landfill, <clears throat> landfill rather, in Alamogordo, New Mexico. To be safe, they steamrolled the mound of product flat, and for good measure, they covered the game pieces and a pancake of concrete. It is true. There's an entire, uh, probably not surprising, there's a whole uh, web page on the net, probably one of many, but there's, there's a web page on the net, and I think a documentary that a guy is busy filming right now about all of these Atari games that were covered with cement in the middle of the Arizona desert. Uh, there's a whole, because here's the thing, urban legends really are fascinating, and I hate to say this because it makes me sound like a crank and like I'm old. Don't you think that urban legends... With with the rise of the Internet, don't you think urban legends have become less interesting because they can be so immediately disproved, for one thing? Like an urban legend goes from genesis to either establishment or disproof in like a day now. Uh, and also because because of the Internet, it's so much easier to start an urban legend. So they're almost like it's almost less impressive now. Mm-hmm. Like, now it's not an urban legend, it's just some crap you read on the Internet. And that doesn't sound as interesting. Urban legends from the pre-Internet era are much more interesting because you think about the fact that they did literally have to spread mouth to mouth. Um, so here's the thing. I remember being, what year was that, 83? Yes. I remember being 10 years old and hearing, like, at the schoolyard, which is where you heard all these things, hey, did you know that uh, Atari took and they buried 10 million E.T. cartridges and covered them with cement in the desert? Yeah, it was a whole cover-up operation. Which, when you're a kid, sounds so cool and fascinating and mysterious. It makes you wonder how they did that. Is somebody in the boardroom at at a big map saying, tomorrow we spread this to Kennewick, Washington? Like, who made the decision? Who said, 
All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get some trucks. Tomorrow at midnight, we're going to put all these cartridges, these ET games, in the truck. We're going to drive to the desert, dig ourselves a big hole. We're going to put the cartridges in there, cover it with cement, and nobody knows anything. we got these uh, 2,000 CBS Watch magazines. <laughs> we're going to trek them to Portland, Oregon, pretend that they ordered them I... all, and just dump them there. <laughs> i got all these uh, glow-in-the-dark, glow-in-the-dark toothbrushes that say the Gustav and Daria show. Now, here's the thing. We need to burn these. Uh, so, but so I heard this this story as a kid. Yeah, Atari buried all these games in the desert. Because when you're a kid, you're like, why would they do that? You know, because video games are so cool. You're like, why would they bury games? And here's the thing: it was entirely unknown, except for one minuscule article that was like four pages or four sentences long that appeared in some local, like little tiny Arizona paper. And that was the and then it filtered its way across the country, kid to kid, mouth to mouth. Um, they're now on the internet though is a guy who is making a little documentary where he is he goes to Arizona like uh, Morgan Spurlock looking for Bin Laden he goes to Arizona and he's going to try to dig up that landfill and find one of the old Atari games that is so cool it is like the best thing ever <laughs> you must be so excited oh it's it's so cool because like i said urban legends like a lot of people i the urban legends fascinate me and especially this one because it's got like a little grain of truth to it and as Tim said, how weird is that, that some guy in a corporate office somewhere, how would they even do that? Like how, that, I mean, it's like an unprecedented thing. So, all right, fascinating. Isn't that fascinating? It really is. Okay, don't even get me started on, on the Polybius urban legend. Why not? What is it? I'll tell you next hour. Here's Tim Riley. So once again, it is true that 10 million Atari games are buried in the desert. I mean, how great is that, that they're just they're just out there? They're just out there, buried in the desert. Imagine how many people they're going to find out there. Oh, I mean, it's... Well, are you, you know, looking for that? It's just going to be body right. after body? Can I tell... Can I, I'm sorry that this whole news hour is such an abortion. Um, can I... Here's something else. Can I tell you another urban legend that may or may not be true? Sure. Okay, this is one you, since you mentioned, and we'll hide it in Kennewick. There's an X-Files episode. Uh, where I do believe that they're doing like, they're doing whatever, like sonar or whatever it is, where you do like a geographic, um, survey of the ground, where you, you shoot like a sound wave into the ground and it shows you what's buried under the ground. I forget what that's called. No, I've totally seen those on boats, like where you can see where it reads the bottom yeah. of the Exactly. Energy. And you drag a thing across the, so the top of the soil and it shows you what's buried under the soil. And you get basically a spectrographic picture of that. There's this Exiles episode where, this is, um... Not graphic, but perhaps unpleasant, uh, where they they are doing this and they discover buried under the ground a boxcar, like from a train, a boxcar filled with dead animals. And it's all like one specific, like it's all beagles or something. It's all like some specific kind of animal. And it's a boxcar filled with like dead beagles buried 40 feet under the ground. And th th the explanation was it's because they've been used for some sort of weird testing uh, you know, or whatever, and, and so then the government hid them all by putting them in a boxcar and burying it underground. Well, I have heard from countless people that there is something like that on the Hanford nuclear facility in Kennewick. Uh, I mean, I heard that all the time growing up, that uh, on the premises of the, of the Hanford nuclear facility, because you can't get there. If you try to walk, like in my hometown, if you try to walk to the nuclear plant, you reach a point where literally it says, like, trespassers you know, may be fired upon. Um, there is electric fencing and concertina white guys with machine guns. I mean, it's like a full-on, it's, it's a nuclear testing facility. Like, you cannot get near it. But we always heard that buried out in the desert, out by the Hanford nuclear plant, were just all of these radiation experiments that they had done, and they would test all this weird radiation stuff and then stick all the test subjects, like, in a big metal box and buried underground. So, which is just like, I mean, stuff like that is fascinating. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 
Hey, Rick, how's it going? Hello, what's up? Hey, yeah, no, uh, I will tell you everything you need to know about the Atari 2600 cartridge myth. It is a fact. Uh, the cartridges that are out there are all copies of E.T. for the 2600, which they were banking on to be pretty much the biggest game ever made. Yeah. And uh, it is an atrocious game. Oh, it's the worst game. I owned it. It's the worst game ever. I had it as a kid, and it was so bad it made you furious. It's right up there with Superman 64 as one of the worst games ever made. And they actually made more copies of E.T. for the 2600 than there were Atari 2600. Yeah, no, I was just commenting on that. that They they figured, no, 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 it's going to be such a huge hit. We'll make more of these than can actually physically even be used by humanity. You know, I mean, it didn't make any sense at all. All. Yeah, and you know it cost Atari so much money they almost went bankrupt, and it's widely considered to be the main reason of the great video game crash of 1983. Absolutely. Um, I, there's this uh, there's the show called Code Monkeys, uh, which uh, the Low turned me onto, which is a fantastic show. It takes place in the 80s at a video game company, and they've made some coded references to the uh, to the ET game, which was just a cluster f. I mean that game, that game is astonishingly bad. Uh, and, yeah. and and I mean. Oh, never mind. See, here's the thing: is I can start. To, I can talk about video. I could talk about video games and men's fashions all day. Uh, I, I really could talk about this all day long. I'm just gonna. Uh, here's the thing: I'm gonna. We're gonna finish this one call about video games, and, and then we have to like do real news, because otherwise, otherwise, what good are we? Um, That's true. Real news. Let's talk video games. Hello. Hello? 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 Hold on, now we have to hear this E.T. clip. Oh, God. So here's the thing. A. We no longer live in this world. Kids today, here's something kids today don't experience, and it is to their benefit. I really am envious. You know what kids today don't experience? Sarah even probably experienced this. That hideous disconnect between the picture on the box and what the game actually looks like. Oh, yeah. Oh, that still exists. That still exists. Oh, man. I mean, now what kids have is kids have today the cutscenes versus the actual gameplay. That's what kids today have to suffer with. Games Pro or somebody publishes a picture of, like, here are the bitchin' graphics on Call of Duty 12. And it's like a cutscene, which is like a, like a, a, a sort of theatrical little scene between gameplay elements. But when I was a kid, it's like you would pick up, like, like whatever, like the Yars Revenge box or something. This looks righteous! And you would take it home, and it's the same thing that all the games were. It's just like a one block firing a small block at a larger block. I mean, hey, don't get Yars Revenge. Yars Revenge is awesome. I'm just saying, there was a little bit of a false expectation when you looked at some of this. So E.T. was even worse. Let me, But let me just say this. And this is the final thing I'll say, because I can talk about, like, minuscule elements of video game culture forever. I read the most fascinating interview the other day with the guy who wrote the original code for the... uh, Yes, this is what I do with my free time. Oh, no, I've I've read this, too. Well, God... We suffer together, sir. I read a great interview with the guy who wrote the original code for the home version of Pac-Man for the 2600. I was telling Aaron the Geek this story, that... The deal at Pac-Man for the 2600 is, again, considered another one of those games that was just staggeringly bad. Because Pac-Man, I mean, had been the biggest video game in the history of man. I mean, it was a phenomenon. And they're like, I can't wait for Pac-Man to come to the home system. It's going to be a revolutionary. And then it was just, eh, mm, 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 eh, eh. 
And it was terrible. And I remember playing it and just thinking, like, this is crap. Like, this is such, this is refined ass is what this is. And the great thing, here's the true story, just in, ca in case anybody wants to know this. The reason why the Pac-Man game for the 2600 is so bad is because they were on a deadline to get it out for Christmas. So they have this guy, you know, Code Monkey 5, and he's sitting in the basement typing out the code for Pac-Man. He puts together what is basically a rough draft, like a like a spec, basically, showing... You know, it is just a very, very simple, like almost like when you storyboard a movie, he basically did a storyboard version of the video game, where it was just the barest rudiments of the gameplay showing how stuff would eventually work. He takes it into the, to the meeting, and he's like, so here's that Pac-Man game I'm working on. As you can see here, uh, this is basically how the maze will look, and these represent what the monsters and the Pac-Man. And they're like, great, fine, sold. We're going to put it out tomorrow. And he's like, no, 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 I, no, this isn't the real game. I, this is just... No, 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 this is just like a blueprint. And they're like, no, we got to get it out in stores. We're going to put, thank you, your work is done. And they just took his rough draft and they put it in the box and put a great-looking cover on the front of it. And they put out, like, his blueprint as the finished game. And he is still so furious because his name is on it. It's like written by Chris, blah, 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 worst game ever. It's actually so bad that there he subsequently went back and on the internet released what he said his final version would have looked like used the same amount of memory would have worked on the 2600 looks glorious but that's why that pac-man game for the atari is so bad they just put out like his rough draft as the real copy yeah that that happened with all kinds of different things. like et they made et in about four weeks it was one guy, same thing, one guy in a basement making E.T. to have to get it out before Christmas. It's so bad. I mean, you could make a better game by just randomly banging your head against the keys. Yes, you could. It'd be funner. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm sorry, Tim. I'm sorry, Sarah. I'm sorry, everybody who isn't me and that guy and Aaron. That was fun. Let's do it again. You're listening to KCMD Portland. No, I'm serious. Really? We're trying to reach our demographic. Well, you know, Tim, I do know what the uh, I do know what the 18 to 49 year old males wish to listen to. Mm. Absolutely. All mm. right. Here's Tim Riley. Does anybody know of the uh, actress named Sean Young? Yeah, she's hot. Well, she has had a rehabilitation for alcohol abuse following a weekend outburst in which she was heckling from the audience at the Directors Guild of America Awards. <laughs> That'll get she you work in the future. She was pet detective, right? I think so. Yeah. She's 48 years old. Oh. We're not sure if that's the real age or not. Uh, she was escorted from the ballroom at the Hyde Regency in Century City after sparring with uh, Julian Schnabel, who was, who was nominated Schnabel. for the uh, the diving ball and the butterfly. Actress Sean Young voluntarily admitted herself yesterday to Rehabilitation Center for Treatment regarding alcoholism, says a statement from the PR office. It is understood that Young has struggled against the disease for many years. At the DGAs, all the film nominees get a chance to say a few words before the top prize is announced. Uh, apparently, Young could be heard across the room, uh, urging uh, one of the speakers to get on with it. <laughs> apparently, uh, rattled, he suggested that, uh, Young just have another cocktail. So, apparently, uh, a call went out to, uh, do something about her. Uh, Young made a name for herself in the 1980s with films such as Stripes, The Blade Runner, and No Way Out. Yeah, no, it's Stripes. I totally remember her from Stripes. I think she was that girl that, uh, is sitting on the stove while, uh, while Bill Murray uses the, uh, the spatula on her. I think uh, she's been noted for some bizarre behavior, not as bad as Brittany, of course, including dressing up in a homemade cat suit to secure a role in Catwoman in 1992, yeah. which went to Michelle Pfeiffer. Well, it's a good thing anyway. She wouldn't have wanted it. No. She also tried to uh, crash the Vanity Fair Oscar party in 2006. I've, I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Maybe she's not so hot anymore. I kind of remember her being hot, but she well, might have aged badly. Is there a picture? No. There's a picture of a smile button next to where her picture should be. <laughs> she will be represented by a blank emoticon. This guy says, Rick, I've seen four-inch-long wasps that haunt at the Hanford plant. Just thought you'd like to know. Now, there's the, the number of things that people report seeing at or around the Hanford nuclear plant is truly unnerving. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up? Hey, so uh, it seems to me that it would be in your friend's best interest to ask if uh, the box is perishable or not. The box that the guy drops off for him to store? Yes. Well, I think he'd be told if the box was perishable. Okay. Now, considering that it's up in his attic and know what time of year it is and everything. Now, but see, here's the thing. If a guy is going to pay you two grand to keep a box in your house for a couple weeks, not to look in it, and then to give it back when somebody comes by for it, you don't ask questions. If he offers more information about it, if there's something you need to know, like, look, that's got to be kept in the fridge and away from... Uh, rats, well, you know, I mean, then that's fine. You don't ask qualifying questions, though, because then you seem like the kind of guy who might go snitching to, uh, to the man about it. Well, you have to know something because, I mean, if it's something that's going to rot up in your attic... But don't you think he would volunteer that information? Well, maybe, but but you're, uh, you know, you're going to spend $500 on like, sprays to make that thing, like... Like you're all like Tim, you're all you got your your Tim Riley going now where you're all concerned about the homeowners about the the rental insurance and scotch guarding aspects of it's this. Very, it's very important. All right, would you do it, sir? Uh, two thousand bucks. Guy gives you a box that you have to keep in your house. You can't open. Some like other guy picks it up. Thirty days. One guy guy picks it up thirty days from now. Uh, probably not. I I would be too uh, afraid for my life. Well, but I mean that's only if you squealed or opened it. But you never know. That I mean, is true, who, sir. You never know. Who could be coming coming around look, looking for the box? I suppose that's true, too. You know, that guy's enemy comes by. All right, thanks, you. Uh, thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> East Bunny. Bok, bok. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, authorities in Slovenia are investigating after a piece of uh, human tongue was found at a uh. hospital canteen. <laughs> the doc at the old town hospital of Izola in southern Slovenia... Complained about a strange-looking piece of meat in his meal. He shouldn't be complaining. They're lucky to have it. Oh, there. not oh. like just sitting on a counter. It was in his meal. He ordered some uh, chicken risotto at with, the hospital canteen. With tongue rib. The doctor insists this isn't chicken. And after an argument with the staff over the uh, piece of meat, uh, he sent it for tests. It later showed up to be not chicken at all. He was right. It was a part of a human tongue. Uh, they've closed the restaurant for all <laughs> and are reviewing its hygiene standards. You think? How would that even... Uh, it could have been accidentally dropped into the food by a doctor who had come from a canteen straight after treating a patient. And carrying around a piece of tongue <laughs> in his pocket. tongue on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that he... Like, that wouldn't even be carrying on the tongue. Like, it implies carrying the tongue, like, in his hand. Well, so they said a doctor came in to eat after he'd been offering a patient and... Uh, Walked right into the kitchen. But a, spo- the a, spokes- a spokesperson for the hospital said, quote, I can say clearly that we have never used patient parts in any of our recipes. <laughs> In Slovenia, it really takes so little to qualify as it's a Gats four-star. <laughs> we find this to be an exemplary establishment with a paucity of human tongue inside the food. We give it four. We now go to Texas. Okay. Firefighters have said for a week a January 5th fire at Coop, K-O-O-P radio, was arson. On Monday, they said it was more than that. They said it was the work of an unhappy volunteer who quit just five days after sneaking it in, starting two fires at the radio station. 
Investigators have charged 24-year-old Paul Webster Feinstein with arson. It's a second-degree felony. He could get 20 years in a Texas prison was, and a $10,000 fine. Was he an embittered DJ? We are shocked, said Kim McCarson, Coop's executive director. We're saddened and surprised. Apparently, a Feinstein was a volunteer at the radio station for a year until he quit in December after becoming unhappy about the way that some of his work was handled. Station officials say, while at the station, Feinstein helped programmers load music into the station's digital library. They say he apparently became disgruntled after a disagreement with another producer over which music should be included. Uh, Coop's president had trouble coming up with words to express how he was feeling. Shock, total shock, and confusion. Uh, Mr. Feinstein said he was very unhappy about uh, changes that the management of the station had uh, done to the work that he did. He certainly confessed to us that he intended to take the radio station off the air. <laughs> He knew that uh, um, he knew how to uh, score and maximum interruption to the radio station. Wait, so I'm on. Un- maybe you said this and I missed it. Is this like a college, like a cable type station? Apparently like a- so. Yeah, but it's called Coop. But it's like a fake radio station. Yeah, it's like it's a, a, no, it's not a real one. Yeah, they, right. they use volunteers. So, so this is uh, we're close just- to being volunteers, but we're not quite volunteers. No, this is a proudly for-profit enterprise. It is. We make, it, we make an enormous profit. Yes, it is. We are a proudly, a proudly capitalist enterprise. So, but you know, you did, that tells you everything you need to know, right? That was the thing where he wanted them to play more John Coltrane or something. Mm-hmm. And then, no, 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 we're going to spend this hour playing Robbie Shankar records. That's it. I'm burning it down. It's like immediately, immediately set fire to the whole place. Have I? I must have told. I must have told the story on the air about the guy in Salt Lake. The DJ at Salt Lake that went crazy and, like, super glued all the doors to the station shut with a Slayer record in. Have I told that story? You might have, but tell it again for those who didn't hear it. Are you screwing with me? No, I'm not. <laughs> I don't think I've heard it. It's a great story. Okay, uh, we, all, we all want to hear it again. Well, why don't you why don't you read the story while I fill my fill my coffee cup, and then I'll regale everyone with the tale. Okay, let me see if I can find a short one. Oh, there's no creamer. Yes, there is. Uh, there's that French vanilla. You're so unappreciative of the French vanilla. Tim a, went through a lot to get that. I'm not, that, that, that is for the connoisseur, not uh, for people with vanilla taste. It's for an upscale palate. <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> we'll be glad Bloody to find, freaking die. I might have one of them. No, 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 no. We'll fine. be glad to find some nut. No, I'll just... Some I'll... rooster juice for you or whatever you like in your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's more pleasing to your palate. <laughs> rooster juice. I don't know. I don't even know what that is. That's glorious. Well, teen sensation uh, Millie Cyrus has, has officially changed her name. Her name? Well, her birth name is Destiny Hope Cyrus. It will now be legally known as Millie Ray Cyrus. Her name I is think it's Millie Ray Cyrus. <laughs> her name was Destiny Hope. Millie Ray Cyrus? Was he doing uh-huh. everything he could to put her on a brass pole? Destiny Hope Cyrus. Destiny Hope. That is it's so bad. It's like for a battleship. Oh, man. Can I just tell you that um, Parade Magazine this week sent uh, this, this really terrible, like, flyer inside. I know that's hard to believe. For, like, some sort of... It, it was for, like, some sort of weird, like, you know, like one of the collectible Franklin Mint jewel things or whatever. But it was it was called... It was called... Um, God, it was. It sounded. It, it was the name for some sort of collectible jewelry piece that they were selling out of Parade Magazine. But it had such a stripper name. It was, um, it was like it was like it was like Topaz uh, Topaz Passion or something, or, or like you know Topaz Allure. I mean, it was exactly. Or no, it was a porn star name. Really, is what it was. I think it was Topaz Topaz Symphony or something like that. And I looked at it. It was like you really could just see the credits going by and like the Timmy Ryan music like playing in the background. All right, uh, I'll drink this coffee and then I'll tell the radio station story. So her name is now what? Millie Cyrus. Uh, Millie Ray Cyrus. All right, there you go. Rooster juice. 
go beat my clothes on a rock down by the river. So I read my story, and I'm waiting for your story. <laughs> I have to finish my coffee. I got caught up in the. Uh, I got caught up in the. Hand. You finish your coffee. Okay, no, no, no. We'll let a caller fill the time. Will you be having a little dessert after that? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're on the Rick Emerson. You're on the Rick Emerson. Right, I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have me some whorehound and a, and a moon pie. Oh, <laughs> uh, moon pies are good. Put them in the microwave for ten seconds. They puff up a, like an inch thick. Mmm. Sounds exactly. tasty. Not why I called. I just wanted to call about the box, the two thousand dollars. I can tell this is going to be a whole thing. Okay, go ahead. Well, I okay. I didn't grow up in the worst neighborhood, and you live on the southeast side, so I'm surprised you didn't know this. But that's either a drug deal or a drug deal gone bad. I'm well, assuming. Well, I assumed, and again, it wasn't me who did this. This is a friend of mine, and this is in Utah of all places. Um, although he was kind of a grubby guy, he was sort of a grimy, uh, grimy type. Um, and I always assumed it was drugs, but I mean, you don't really ever know. It, it, uh, if you're familiar with Godfather Two, you know that that's how. Um, that's how uh, uh, Vito Corleone meets Clemenza, because uh, Clemenza comes and knocks at uh, Corleone's door one time when they're both living in wherever, Brooklyn or whatever. He knocks at his uh, he knocks at his door and he's like, "Look, I need you to store this for a while. I'll come back for it later." And it's like a cloth, and he opens it up, and inside the cloth is a bunch of guns, because Clemenza has clearly like killed someone and needs the guns to be hidden for a while. So I mean, it could be anything. It could be drugs. Could be guns. Could be uh, you know. Uh, pornography parts? of some illegal nature. Body part, or I mean, they are Mormons. Lord only knows. Underwear of some sort, the holy kind. No. I, I... See, why must you traffic in stereotypes, sir? Because they're, they're kind of funny. I mean... <laughs> okay, well, that's a, that's an honest answer at least. All right, would you do it, sir? Thousand bucks. Uh, I uh, prank caller. I, I haven't done it. Never done it. Prank caller. Okay, there you go. Thank you. All right, I'm almost done with my coffee here. One more call, we'll get us there. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, good afternoon. Mm -hmm. You guys, I know, are, are aficionados of the old Twilight Zone. Do you remember the one that was, uh, what was it, early 90s? I think it was, the colored ones? Uh, well, there was. there's actually been three Twilight Zones. There was the Twilight Zone in the 60s. There was a Twilight Zone that came out in the mid to late 80s, narrated by Burgess Meredith, um, which had which had a really badass opening credit sequence done by Merle Saunders and, of all people, the Grateful Dead, who I I despise. Well, um, no, it wasn't that one then. It was, it was really good, and then they did it again with Forrest Whitaker in the nineties. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. Well, there was there was one that's very similar to the situation you're talking about here. Uh, the the button, the woman with the button. Exactly. That was from, a million dollars. That was from the mid '80s. Unless they redid that one for the Forrest Whitaker Twilight Zone, that episode was from the mid '80s Twilight Zone revival. That's one of those things where, you know, similar to the situation, you know, bring it up in conversation one time, and it's kind of interesting. Would you do that? So I mean, if, for if, the money? If you haven't seen the episode this guy's talking about, yeah, this was in that mid-'80s Twilight Zone revival, although it sounds like they may have brought it back for the, for the later one. So this is a pretty fascinating episode, actually. It was a, great. A, a guy, the upshot of it is a guy comes to a woman, and he gives her a box, uh, like a wooden box, and on right. top of the wooden box is a big red button. But it had a cover on it, it too. Has, so. Yeah, it has a cover, so she has to turn the key and open the cover. And But basically, the upshot is there's a huge red button. That's all. No writing, no labeling, just a box with a big red button on top. And he tells her, he says, in the next 30 days, you have this box. Now, if you press this red button on top of the box, you will get $1 million, but someone you don't know will die. Part was at the end, and I honestly don't remember if they pressed the button. Well, or let's not. well let's just go around the room first. So, so what was the premise? He gives her the box with a big red button on top, and he says, "I'm going to pick this up in 30 days. You know, keep it for 30 days." But the deal is, he, box, big red button. He's like, if you press that button, 
you'll get one million dollars, but someone you don't know will die. And I so, do it. and so the deal is, she she of course gives in and she presses it. And she, she presses the button and nothing happens. But when he comes out by to pick it up, he looks and he goes, "You've pressed the button. Very good. You'll get your one million dollars like in a week." And then, the best part is, she goes, "Well, who gets the box now?" And he says, "Someone, Someone. who doesn't know you." Oh, which is that like, part? Just so great, so righteous. It oh, is. Well done, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Who wants to hear my radio station anecdote? Do I ever? Tim? I do. I've been waiting with bated breath. Okay. So when I worked in uh, Utah uh, at a station that I guess I won't name just because we don't want to have this brought up again. They're probably sick of. Oh, I've just blanked all the information on the screen, Timmy. I'm sorry. Uh, they've. Uh, they're probably tired of, of remembering this. Uh, so there was a an idiot DJ. Uh, on their rock station in Utah. And how do I put this? Um, like all idiot DJs, he thought he was funnier and like edgier than he really was. And really, he was just kind of a tool. Um, but he wanted to use, he wanted to use this on-air name. And I'm not, I can't really say the name he wanted to use uh, because it's horrifically crude. And I actually can't use even part of the name because that would identify him and that's given him more attention than he really deserves. I will simply say this, and I swear to you I am not making this up. He wanted to use a name that... Uh, I don't even know... I don't even know how to say this. Because Is it some kind of sexual act or something? Sort of. I almost, but I have to because you have to understand how stupid this guy was. Um, okay, let me ask you this. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, you know, um, I'll just, okay, I'll say this. Is it a person? No, <laughs> no I, I will say this. He wanted to use as his on-air name... A body part. A slang term for a natural lubricant that a certain part of the body puts out in one of the genders. Sweat? No. <laughs> you know how Here? when they you know when they call uh, KY a person an intimate a personal lubricant? Yeah. Sort of nature's um, nature's version of that. I'll tell you guys the name off the air if you really want to know it later. Anyway, no. you, it, it, something a woman blah blah blahs when she's blah blah blahing. It's just, it's, but that's it. You have to know that because that's like how stupid this guy was. That that's what he wanted to call himself was the slang term for a something that a a woman uh, discharges. Ew. That's what I'm saying. That was his idea. Like that. I want. And so he wanted to call like as an as as a DJ name on a radio station. Not on satellite radio, not a podcast. Like, that's what he wanted to call it. And the program director said, well, no, and you're retarded, and get back to work. And so he, of course, because he's a moron, thinks that this is like trampling on his, you know, my free speech. And I'm being censured by the man. So what he does, that, and he was the overnight DJ, of course, because where else would you put a guy like that? So what he does that night is he just goes crazy. He gets on the microphone, unleashes this torrent of profanity about how the radio company, which I will not name, is censoring him and how the man is keeping him down. He screams like, you know, Howard Stern rules, puts in the Slayer Rain and Blood record on repeat. And then he has a huge tube of like that industrial strength epoxy glue. 
And what he does is he just starts super gluing his way out of the building. Super glues the CD player shut. Super glues the pots in the open position. Super glues the studio door shut, pulls it shut behind him. Super glues the door that leads oh to the studio God. section. Super glues and then like fills, and this is before key cards, fills the, the like the locks on the front of the building. I mean, so the, the upshot really? is, yeah. The upshot is like, no, and he was the only person on the air that night, you know, because I think it was, everything else is automated. So, like, no one, of course, and this is like a one in the morning, so nobody knows. Um, and I think what happened is the way these things were always discovered. I think the, the music director, the PD, whoever did the morning show, got up at like 4.30 in the morning for work. Well, I'll turn on that radio station for which I'm employed and see what's... And then he hears like Angel of Death by Slayer coming out. Just, oh, you know, they, they just the vile album just coming out over his airways in Salt Lake City, by the way. Um, and so they get to the station and wait, hey, look, we can't get in the front door because the locks have been filled with epoxy. And that's not like filling a lock with gum or peanut butter. I mean, if you fill it with epoxy, you're, I mean, that's a new lock. That's a fire axe and a locksmith to get through the door. They get through the front door of the station. Hey, the lock that leads, you know, the door that leads to the studios has been, has been super glued shut. They get through that door. Hey, the door to the, and the entire time this horrific Slayer record is playing over the air at like maximum volume. Um, so they get through the front door, through the other door, through to the door of the studio. They get into the studio, and, of course, the pots and the CD player have all been glued into the open maximum position. So I think they ended up having to, like, turn off the board, like reaching inside the board and actually taking the station off the air. And so it played. I mean, it did that for, like, four hours. Did they sue him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't even fathom how much money that would be. Oh, yeah. No, they effed him. They, they effed him. They effed him hard. So uh, As it should be. <laughs> seriously. So, But I think every... Every DJ has a story sort of like that or knows a guy who did something like that. Um, I mean, it used to be you used to be able to get kicked off the air for really tame things when you think about it. Um, I knew a DJ who got fired one time uh, because he played The Bitches Back by Elton John and dedicated it to his ex-wife, you know, because he's a moron. And that was like the height of wit in his head. Uh, but as soon as he did that, like, they just fired him that day. So it's it, but it, everybody knows the story of a DJ who's gone crazy at one point or another. All right, here's Tim Riley. There's a disabled satellite threatening the Earth. Cloverfield. <coughs> a large U.S. spy satellite has lost power, could hit the uh -huh. Earth in late February, early March. A satellite which is no longer... It's out of control, they say. It could contain hazardous materials. It is unknown where on the planet it might land. Officials spoke on the condition that... Don't tell anybody about this. Because the information is classified. This is secret information. It is not clear how long ago the satellite lost power and under what circumstances. Appropriate government agencies are monitoring the situation, says Gordon John Drow, a spokesman for the National Security Council, but asked about the situation. Numerous satellites over the years have come out of orbit and fallen harmlessly. Top men working. We are looking at potential options to mitigate any problem damage that the satellite could cause. Well, it's filled Probably with... Probably a cardboard box and some duct tape and, and a <laughs> vacuum cleaner nozzle. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Yes, Sarah? Um, Did something happen to the audio uh, No, box? it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. All right. All right um, it. No, it's not. No, it's gone again. I'm going to go get Matt. Okay, we'll be <laughs> here. Is this a Russian satellite? No, this is an American satellite, oh, a no, large no. U.S. spy oh, satellite. That's gonna be, no, no, that's not going to be a cardboard box then. That's just going to be uh, that's gonna be steel and plutonium and liquid death. That's what's going to be inside that. You're thinking of like a like a Chinese satellite or something, which is made out of uh, made out of cardboard tubes and uh, you know like garden hose or something. The Chinese don't use satellites; they just use tanks to flatten people. <laughs> I guess. I guess really. I guess what do they really need to monitor? I mean, really honestly, that is true. So uh, they got a camera in everybody's house anyway. Here's Tim Riley. 
The Led Zeppelin guitarist Jimmy Page said he is ready to take the ironic band on a world tour after burning up the stage at last night's uh, reunion concert in London, but it probably won't be before September. The amount of work we put into O2 was what you normally put into a world tour anyway, says Mr. Page. He's 64. This after an intensive rehearsal. 64? That's what it says here. He's 64. Mm -hmm. The band's three surviving members, Page, singer Robert Plant, and uh, bassist keyboardist uh, John Paul Jones, were joined at the sold-out benefit show by the late John Bonham's son, Jason, on the drums. That can't possibly be right, that he's 64. That's what it says. Okay, here. I'm looking that up right now. That I mean, I know they're not. I know they're not spring chickens, but that that doesn't sound like it could possibly be right. Hold on. What's up with the uh, computer, Sarah? It keeps. Okay, now it's back on. Is both of the, them. Both of the screens shut off. Then one of them was out? off. One of them was on. Mm. All right. Now they're both off again. Computer. What is going on? And now it's rebooting. Mm. All right. Well, we'll you just guys just keep on plugging. We'll just ahead. keep talking. Uh, okay, Jimmy. Sixty-four. Yeah. Damn, man. I mean, which is fine. I mean, they could still play, but I just, it, I, it, it, you just can't fathom. I think sixty is the, um, I think sixty is the breaking point in your head for rock stars. Uh, it, like you could, like I can conceive of rock stars being in their forties. I can conceive of rock stars being in their fifties. Like when you hit the age of sixty, it's hard to fathom. Like I, I guess it depends on what kind of rock star you are. Like I can, I can see the guys in Pink Floyd being sixty, but it's hard to like. How old is Mick Jagger? Do you know? I don't know. Like, for some reason, when I think of rock... Now I have to find out how old Mick Jagger is. Uh, when I think of rock stars aging, mm -hmm. for some reason, I always picture them being in their their late 50s. I can't picture rock stars past the age of 60. Like, that's sort of the, the hazy age at which they become sort of indiscernible. Here we go. Mick Jagger, also 64. Jesus, that is just freakish. All right, I will tell you this, though, about that Led Zeppelin tour. So, yeah. first of all, F. Robert Plant, because it, it, Robert Plant and that it, the, the stupid crap he's doing with Alison Krauss, and I do like Alison Krauss. I like her, too. I like Alison, I like Alison Krauss a lot. What I don't like is the fact that Robert Plant he, he did this record with her and is now touring with her, which is the reason the, the Led Zeppelin tour is not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So, Paige said this thing that, like, the day after that London show, Paige was like, I'm ready to go on tour. They send me out on the road. I can't wait. But Robert Plant is putting it off until at least September because he's touring America uh, with Alison Krauss for this record that no one owns for songs that no one wants to hear. Uh, and as a result, I'm being shafted out of my Zeppelin reunion tour. Let me also say this. Uh, I have a, a bootleg CD of that Zeppelin reunion tour that happened in London, which is badass. Um, it's only the first of the bootlegs, so the audio quality isn't like that great, uh, but it is really good. And there's bootleg DVDs already about, and I'm going to get myself one of those. Uh, so it's, I mean, the, 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 those guys sounded fantastic, because all their other reunions just sucked so badly. Uh, but they were really, really good at that London reunion. So I am all over that, says Rick Emerson. Here's Tim Riley. Imagine a young lady having the huts for Garrison Keeler. I, I can't imagine it. Wait. No. Something of a truce has been achieved at Lake Wobegon. A Prairie Home Companion host, well, Garrison Keeler has settled his problems with a Georgia fan who allegedly sucked him and sent him bizarre gifts. And then she came in and cut Keeler off my is hair. A, Keeler is uh, some sort of uh, humorous. He's been uh, funny for many, many years and no. forgotten about on the radio. He <laughs> needs to take uh, deep breaths in between every two words he pronounces. And here in Lake Wobogon, the children are tiresome and And people actually sit there for hours while oh, he sucks man. in all this air to be able to say, like, two syllables. 
And people in the audience are turning blue. Just <laughs> taking their life force. Well, Keeler went into court alleging that a 43-year-old groupie, <laughs> Andrea Campbell of Hawkinsville, Georgia, <laughs> this is so unpleasant on left so many a levels. numerous voicemail and email messages and, I sent fancy them, you. and sent them, quote, unusual and unwanted items, <laughs> including... Here's some pig's kidneys. It's close. A petrified alligator's foot, <laughs> dead beetles, and poems. <laughs> That's the way to a man's heart. Uh, can you send me some uh, hermaphroditic insects that have been petrified? Can you send me? Three more hours of this humor is coming up on your public television radio station. I am taking two steps and sit down and rest for the next hour and a half. It's funny because it's true. Please call in a punch time right now and keep this program on the air. Uh, wow. Uh, okay. Let me just catch. No, no, I gotta the do it. Phones are ringing up, my... though, the fans are, <laughs> the fans are responding. No, I gotta catch my breath. Damn. Uh, and let me just say this. I know that uh, in radio, now I'm a horse. Uh, I know, and we can't take a break because none of the commercials, which is the computer's dead. Oh, we'll keep on just keep on plunging forever. Why not? We got plenty of material here. We have like nine years worth of news we've never gotten to. Um, I can't play sound bites anyway. No, I really? Yeah, my uh, sound bite machine's broken. <laughs> it's on the fritz. Isn't well, it? it's good that all that money went to Watch Magazine from <laughs> CBS. That's true. Maybe you could just read a music anecdotes out of this. Oh, maybe I'll do the uh, Mary Laguardia thing and. And read humorous articles out of Watch Magazine. Or you could read this. Uh, you could read this. Uh, this uh, recipe for sautéed Doverslow with seedless grapes and almond butter. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, boy, how sad is this? Listen to what the target audience for this magazine is: recipes inspired by classic rock songs. <laughs> sautéed Doverslow with seedless grapes and almond butter, inspired by "You Can't Always Get What You Want" by the Rolling Stones. Jesus. Anywho. Um, I know in radio you're not supposed to talk about other stations. You're not, you know, the other guys uh, is what you're supposed to say. But I mean, you know, that, you know, it would be it would be disingenuous of me to say that I didn't listen to NPR now and again, because sometimes, look, I mean, sometimes you just can't take hearing any more crap on the radio. Well, I listen to shows with things that I would never not participate. In. I like the Splendid Table. It's talk about food, but I never eat any. Of it. I'm going to talk about salt for an hour. That Splendid Table show, I can't get with that. I I've like tried. the lady who does it. Man, I, you know what? It is? Okay, let me just tell you this. I watch the Food Network a lot. Uh-huh. Um, but have you noticed on the Food Network they only have two kinds of shows? They have shows for dudes who like to cook stuff with beer while riding a motorcycle across the country. It can do it under 20 minutes. Exactly. You know, that's totally what it... Food you can cook while waiting for your porn to download and for the game to start. God, people are so lame. There's that, or there's like, hi, we're a pretentious French couple, and uh, we're going to make something with uh, white wine while we listen to uh, Vivaldi. Or a squishy middle-aged white woman who teaches you nothing but desserts. Totally, I've seen her too. Um, But that splendid table, she falls into that sort of latter category. Like, not even like Rachel Ray, but like really sort of snooty. And and she just makes me feel dumb. No, she's very calming if you're stuck in suburban traffic. Because really? every time you every time you get a green light in the suburbs, only two cars can pass, and you're ready to kill somebody trying to get. Oh home. no! I... You don't want to listen to Tom Likas screaming, "Dump that bitch!" Not not on during the weekend. <laughs> well, there are programs that are calming, and there are programs that are not. <laughs> no, liberal, let's just put it that way. Sometimes it's soothing to hear somebody screaming. Oh man! Well, I have to tell you though, if I'm in a bad mood, sometimes I will listen. Like I mean, mm-hmm. some, I will listen to that and feel much calmer. Absolutely. Like if a... I'm in if I'm in a bad mood, or if I just had a really rough day, I will tell you there are times that I get and I listen to, I mean. 
whatever. I mean, the people say, I, you know, I listen to it because I work here, but I mean, I listen to the station all the time anyway because it's a great station. Um, but it has different effects on you depending on what mood you're in. And there are days when I get out of here and I'm like, stupid everybody, stupid people, and I'll get in the car and Tom is just bludgeoning somebody to death, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. Um, anyway, but um, but there are different shows for different whatever. Um, and uh, I remember, and again, I'm not trying to dog commercial radio because that is what pays my rent. But sometimes it's like if if if, if you know, maybe there's, you know I'm just not you know I'm in the mood for whatever, but I don't want to hear like a I don't hear Margaritaville for like the five billionth time. I will flip over to NPR, and some of their NPR again though only has two modes: stuff that I really like, or stuff that just makes me bored and furious. And um, like I'll listen to the the click clack guys, the car talk oh, guys, because yeah. they're hilarious. Yeah, they are. Um, but man, I have to tell you, does it does this happen to you? Where no matter when it is on the weekend, if you get in the car. And if maybe you don't want to listen to regular talk radio or you don't want to listen to music, you flip over to NPR, and it's always Garrison Keillor. You can tune in and hear Garrison Ke- and then tune out and come back nine hours later, and he's still doing the, and now the bluegrass stylings of the Whitaker Brothers. And you're just, come on! And you're just waiting for it to and it just never ends. Yeah. And the people, and I just start to hate the people in the audience, too. Like, I'll hear them, like, he'll say something moderately amusing, and everybody just sort of, <laughs> and they all laugh and applaud, and then somebody comes out and plays the saw, you know? And then I'm just sitting there, and people are clapping, and I'm wanting them all to die. I'm just sitting there just being filled with a black, angry rage about it. And then I, and see, and then I turn back to Tom Likas, and he makes me feel better. So, Jesus. Boy, Garrison Keillor makes me angry. I don't know why. <laughs> Sounds like he quite enrages me. You know, the thing about Garrison Keillor is, like, Garrison Keillor, to me, is a lot like Doonesbury. Did you ever read Doonesbury and not understand what the joke not is? Not since 1976. Well, I don't think anybody does anymore, except for, like, you know... I, I think the people who read Doonesbury are... I, I don't know who they are, actually, now that I think about it. I don't read the funnies. I used to like Gasoline Alley, but they don't have it anymore. <laughs> the funnies. Whatever happened to... Whatever happened to Mary Worth? The Cats and Jamma Kids. <laughs> the Cats and Jamma Kids were great. Um, but, I mean, I remember reading Doonesbury, though, and just kind of going, like, I don't I don't understand where the... Is there a punchline? I, okay. I'll read it again. Okay, I'll read it again tomorrow, maybe. And just not understanding what was funny about it, and then feeling dumb and angry because I felt like I was too stupid to get the joke. And that's how I feel... With Garrison Keillor and and whatever that show is, the, the Home Prairie Home Companion, which apparently they made a movie out of. Yeah. Fathom paying twelve dollars to go watch Garrison Keillor. So the cricket jumped up on the soapbox. That's <laughs> 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 totally what every episode. <laughs> So the Elks Lodge is having a drive for mittens. You know, it's like they're going and and Betty the Mule stamped her foot stubbornly. <laughs> Jesus. Oh God damn. Should we take some? Can we take a break yet? Uh, not yet. That's fine. Doesn't matter to me. I got nowhere to be. Hi, you're on the ring. I can we also have that new kids on the block song that you wanted to hear that we can play. I have it right here. If you want to... Hey Rick, you guys are doing so well without the computers. I. Had to pull over a couple times. You're cracking me up. Oh, we my God. Work long before there were computers in this business. I was going to say, That's sir, I, I used to do this program. Now, I sound like you're, it's, <laughs> it's a long day at KCMD. I used to do uh, this program long before computers, sir. 
Yeah, I, I know how I was born long before a lot of things, trust me. And I was really sad yesterday somebody stole my thunder, but today you guys came back. The show is just excellent. Thank you, sir. You bet. Bye-bye. Right, bye now. Well, now nothing works on my computer. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jesus. Not that we need them, mind you. Um, I will say, <clears throat> pardon me, I was actually talking to one of the engineers the other day about doing this, you know, not this show, but doing uh, talk radio before computers. Although I had a, we had a weird radio dream the other night, and not like the nerve-wracking kind. I had a dream the other night that I was doing a show more or less like this one. No one cares about this except us people in this room, probably. It, the only thing was, I was doing a regular radio program, but I was looking at my screen, and I was using one of the old, terrible, like, DOS-based call screening programs with, like, the blinking cursor. Mm -hmm. And that's all I can remember about it. I think that was the because that's the first call screening software I ever used. I used to... I know I've told this, but I used to like work in a basement, and the guy would have to answer the phone upstairs and write something, write the caller on a post-it note, run down the hall, down the stairs, hand me the post-it note. And go, by which time, of course, the caller had probably hung up. And that was on the nights when I could con somebody into screening the calls. Otherwise, they'd have to go on hold, and I'd have to answer them Art Bell style. Uh, and half of them were wrong numbers. You know, I would hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. I say it like 12:30 at night to, to like an audience of five. <laughs> hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello, I was. Call, I was looking for Roto-Rooter, and you're just like, oh, sorry, never mind, bye now. Um, so, uh, anywho, whatever happened to see that? All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, the Grammy Awards will air as scheduled on February 10th. Somebody calling? Sounds like a pledge break. The Writers Guild has been the ceremony. <laughs> and <Andrew laughs> McCain just angrily picked up the phone and slammed it back down. I don't know who it is, but they're unwanted. That was probably the engineer. The announcement comes after weeks of speculation on whether the show calling with the solution. <laughs> I'm calling with the cure for cancer. <laughs> uh. Well, the Grammys will go on the schedule. Grammy! Uh, so they've uh, made a little deal with the writers like the Golden Globe. Due to the writers' strike. In a statement issued today, the Writers Guild of America President Patrick Barone said the decision was made on behalf of brothers and sisters in the American Federation of Musicians at AFTRA. Uh, he said, uh, professional musicians face many of the same issues that we do concerning fair compensation for work in new media. You know, you're right. That phone never rings, and then sometimes it does. Yeah. Uh -huh. I don't know what that is. Are you going to answer it? Well, Timmy Ryan obviously isn't. Same. Hello? Is that what he's supposed to be doing? There's somebody there. Maybe he's charming the ladies. Under he's the busy line. going through people's MySpace profiles and looking at all the girls. Really? Mm -hmm. Wait, what do you mean by people's MySpace profile? I mean, I can see that he's on, like, someone's profile, and he's, like, clicking on, like, ladies' profiles. Is that where he's, uh, is that the new, the new, uh, the new vein he's going to mine? Hey, I see that you know so-and-so. I do, too. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Sarah, Tim. Hello. Hello. I, uh, I had to, I had to call, because I, I, this, this idea of, of someone holding on to the box, getting paid for it, can't you see a reality show? Totally. They some, where they <gasps> give someone the box, and there's a walkie-talkie in the box. Oh, yeah, where you monitor what they say, and then, of course, you have to see if they open it. Oh, you tell them they only get the money if they if the box is sealed, but then, like, you have, like, a baby crying. Oh, oh that's, that's completely creepy. <laughs> and, and, they, and then, of course, like, you have, like, a camera hidden on the box. Of course. Where you see it. And you just, like, have, like, five or six of these going at a time, and you kind of pop back and forth between the people. It would be an interesting psychological experiment, too, where you just went to, like, five people at random and said, look, uh, we're going to give you 500 bucks, uh, but we need this box back unopened in a month. Put it in your basement where no one can see it. Well, you don't stick it in the basement because you want them to hear it. 
You want to, you want them to hear the the baby crying and and wonder. Call like Schrod- Schrodinger's box, and no one would ever get it. There you go. That's a great idea. All right, you should do that. Yeah, I'll I'll contact Fox right away. All right, thank you. Bye now. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. So Tim was talking about that uh, story about the satellite falling. Mm-hmm. And uh, isn't that kind of how the zombie apocalypse will begin? Uh, well, it's how the Cloverfield monster begins. Uh, I don't know if it's how the zombie apocalypse happens. Oh, fair enough. I could just totally see the the satellite landing in the I think. Small have town you, and have you read rising. Have you read World War Z? Uh, no, I'm terrified of zombies. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, whoa, my computer just flashed on and off. My screen just went black and now it's back. Okay, all right. It's just, all due to that crashing spy satellite. It's the spy satellite. Uh, no, my computer just screen just went black and then came back up with everything intact. But uh, just okay. Brian Jones is in here. He's on the case. What is going on? And my sound button machine isn't working. <laughs> and I've got this pain all up and down my left side. Aren't you supposed to go on the? It, 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 it occurs to me as I'm driving over here that it's a damn good thing the place isn't on fire, right? Well, day's not over yet. can't drive fast enough. We don't have any volunteers working here. No. So, see, yeah, it comes back up. I'm afraid to start a commercial break in case it just cuts it off. We're afraid of commercials. We don't want to play any commercials at all. Look, it completely turns it off. All right. Well, in any event. It'll uh, still work if you push the button. Okay, I'll push the button. See, watch. If you push the button, you'll get a million dollars, but somebody you don't know will die. Do you hear music? Yeah, that's the caller. I guess we're breaking. Well, no, or not. not. It, it, okay, it, it, i got to finish this call. Okay, it'll work. You just can't what? see no, it. No, I can't And I have, tell. A, and I have a question for you, uh, Mr. Jones. I'll, I'll fix it. Okay. Before you leave. Is your yes? computer broke, too? My, my, uh... Oh. Bite machine isn't working. Let's see here. So, and then it starts up with Dell again. I, don't look at it's me, dude. It's all exploding. I didn't do anything. Okay, get this. <laughs> then nothing happens. Mm-hmm. All right, so we can... Let me finish with this call. Of course. Uh, so, oh. sir... I so if you so World War Z, uh, so the thing is in World War Z, uh, the zombies come from China as, a, as some sort of bio weapons testing that they're doing. It is possible though uh, that the satellite could start the zombie apocalypse. That is that is worth noting. But we do believe that the satellite is responsible for the Cloverfield monster. Well, fair enough. <laughs> All right, thank you, sir. Yep. Bye now. Thanks. What's going to happen when you st- when you press this button, sir? Uh, well, I'm actually going to start it manually, so it should work. All right, let's we see. We don't pause for this message. One of our many paid advertisements. Excellent. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue next. It is true I requested this. This song is so great. Give me a break. No, wait, it's the Kit Kat song. Who let him in here? You asked, you asked him to come in and fix things. I know, this is not a bad song, actually. Boy, listen to that big 80s reverb, though. Although this was 90s, 91. This was 91. Well, I remember this was the album when I saw them, so this is on Step by Step. And this is three Pro Tools, I believe. I remember them playing Really? Uh-huh. It's not a bad song. This is the New Kids on the Block. Not a terrible song. This... If you can say such a thing, this is my favorite New Kids on the Block song. <laughs> it is sort of Beatlesque in its way, I say to Timmy Ryan's horror. This is always been my favorite song, too. Before you, you have a favorite New Kids on the Block song. I had to play it as a DJ. I had to play it like twice and twice a shift.
spooky video. Yeah. You know, the thing is, the, the new kids and the black guys, because they are the uh, the in sync of their generation. I mean, they're the, they're the high, they're the high watermark uh, for this sort of teen pop in that era. So you know who's really hoping that these guys do their reunion is like the... Uh, the Backstreet Boys? Well, well, not even the Backstreet Boys. I was going to say like the, the what's it, the uh, Color Me Bad guys. Because they can pick up a little bit of that. I mean, totally. look, look, because if these guys have a career, you know, a resurgence, the Color Me Bad guys can do what they did the last time, you know, 15 years ago, which is to pick up a little bit of the detritus. They're sort of the pilot fish to the shark that is the new kids on the block. Because that was the thing with, with uh, Color Me Bad the first time, is they only, they picked up some of the sort of cast-offs, you know, from the New Kids. Like, they only had a career because of New Kids on the Block. Mm-hmm. And so New Kids on the Block would get all these girls into teen pop, and then Color Me Bad just tried to get a little bit of that money, tried to get just whatever whatever coins fell from New Kids on the Block's hands. And so if this tour is a success, I guarantee you the Color Me Bad guys will come back and do a tour again, you know? When the big head guy gets out of rehab, right? <laughs> the big head guy. This was kind of like their Sgt. Pepper's album, wasn't it? Are you being sarcastic? No, it just seems like that. Is this the album that had that terrible reggae song on it? Oh, God, I don't know. There was I that, don't think, that, I think I'd remember that. There was that terrible reggae song uh, that the New Kids on the Block did where had Donnie Wahlberg, I swear to God, he actually, he, he says in like this faux Jamaican accent, he says something like, girl, me could never doubt you. He says, like Cookie Monster. <laughs> <laughs> Lame. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. It's going to snow again tonight. It's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> Look, I don't even believe it is snowing. I believe that they come by and they sprinkle some stuff on the ground when I'm asleep and then I come out just so I can see it so they can keep it this fiction. I have yet to see snow falling anywhere. I'll take a picture over to my house and email it to you. <laughs> With peacocks in the background? The peacocks are gone for the winter. Everyone's sipping uh, Starbucks Christmas blend in the mm-hmm. Foreground, wearing knit cable, you know, cable knit sweaters. Yes. Right. And Argyle socks. <laughs> Calling each other Buffy and Chad. Well, it looks like Eminem may be eating lots of M&Ms. There are reports anyway, he's 250 pounds now. His friend... Really? Trick, yes. That's great. His friend Trick Trick says, quote, uh, he can still run two miles if you want to, still out of the box, whatever that means. My man still gets down. He's a fellow... Are you sure this uh, wasn't Star Jones? <laughs> It was also reported earlier this month that Eminem was hospitalized over the holidays after coming down with a bout with pneumonia. Further reports suggest that the rapper's weight has also exceeded 200 pounds. It's ballooned. That's the phrase they always use, by the way, with certain celebrities and with certain types of weight gain. It's not that they've gained weight. It's always like, the rapper's weight has ballooned to blah, 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 blah pounds. Um, so, you know what I was listening to the other day? I read this great, uh, this great review on, uh, you know, never mind. This is one of those. This is one of those thoughts in my head that's going to be interesting to me that no one else is going to care about. Try so it. we might. No, no. You know, I, I was just. Well, I, I will say this. Uh, I, sometimes I amuse myself by reading the reviews on Pitchfork, uh, which is kind of a snarky sort of. They see a lot of people next Tuesday on that uh, website, but they do have some pretty good reviews of, of albums every now and again. And for whatever reason, it had like featured review of the day, and it was a review of that Eminem Greatest Hits album, which I think Curtain Call or whatever it's called. And the guy noted that. The thing about Eminem, who who really did craft some amazing pop songs with his collaborators, that, like, I just don't care about those songs anymore. Like, I just... I'm sorry, there's a speck on the counter that's sort of bugging me. Um, Usually I get most of them. Yeah. Uh, you can always count on me in my Howard Hughesian way to wipe all these white specks off the counter. Uh, 
but uh, but that you know Eminem put out these songs that were you know these real big pop crossovers like uh, the Real Slim Shady and Without Me or whatever and, and I mean they really were great but in retrospect you realize that all of those Eminem singles that he put out uh, they really were just like this the just really just confections and the flavor was just chewed out of them almost immediately. And you go, you just realize that you just, like, for as big a cultural force as that guy was for viewers, you just don't really care about listening to him anymore. You just kind of don't. I care about um, 8 Mile. That well, was one of the greatest movies ever. Okay, but here's the thing about it. Here, but Okay, then I'm glad I mentioned this, because here's the thing. So this guy in Pitchfork noted something which is really true, which is that the Eminem track, tracks that still hold up are the ones that weren't singles. Like, again, like, no one really wants to hear the real Slim Shady anymore. Mm-hmm. You just, like, you, you kind of go, no. Um... Some of the stuff that, like the album tracks and the stuff that the, the, the things that were not uh, written to be singles, still really hold up. And you know, after reading that review of his greatest hits album on on Pitchfork, when the guy notes that he goes, you know, the, 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 the sort of B sides, those are the really good things. So you know what I put on, uh, and I hadn't listened to it for the long time, was the Eight Mile soundtrack. And the Eight Mile soundtrack has got one of the best tracks that guy ever did, and it's a song called Rabbit Run, which is just amazing. I mean, it's just a fantastic song. Um, you know, and I can even I can even uh, still listen to that "Lose Yourself." I think "Lose Yourself" is still a great record. What happened to the uh, AV over there? What's going on now? I don't know. That's wonderful. <laughs> I have no earthly. We, idea. we do have some old cart machines around here. Oh, now my okay, my computer just did that thing again where it went black. <laughs> wow, did you really just do that <laughs> to see if it would bang, work? Just bang on the counter. I'll go get it's, a bigger. I'll go get can, a bigger hammer and be back. You too can be a director of engineering. <laughs> Well, the qualifications are minimal. A, a couple of old spot masters <laughs> open the other building. We can wire totally. up here quickly. I'm going to go dial up that CDAT card in the back. Mm-hmm. Transponder 23, channel 540. Oh, wow. That's good. That's the Rush Limbaugh. When Rush used to be on CDAT, the Spectrum Efficient Digital... Anal- what is it? Spectrum Efficient Digital Audio Translator? I think. What did CDAT stand for? I don't remember. Uh, CDAT, kids, you don't know this. CDAT was a, a, a mechanism by which they would transmit information over satellites. And spectrum, spectrum efficient. efficient data audio. I gotta look it up on Wikipedia. Now. Mutual used to be on that. Mutual was on it again. So Beep. was Rush. So yeah, was yeah. what? Beep. Yeah. <laughs> See that? Hold on, I gotta look it up now because ah. because uh, Craig Adams is, is depending on me. Here we go. No, no, this is different. Oh wait, space environment data system. No, that's wrong. Well, whatever. It, it was a thing. Uh, but you would put in a transponder, and then there was a channel, yeah, yeah. and the Rush Limbaugh show was we on still CDAT. Use that today. That's how. Really? Like they still have the slide numbers Miller? Miller? Well, that's <laughs> but you don't have to dial the numbers in anymore. It no, was, it's with an ad. Yeah, you don't have, you have no abacus anymore. To here's the, the thing. Effort. I worked at a radio station so underfunded that uh, they didn't have. Like, there was the only only the one. I know we're talking really inside baseball, and we'll end it in like two minutes, I promise. Uh, but, <laughs> it's like the Donna Mike show. It really, no, it really. It, 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 well, you know what Donna Mike says CBS stands for, right? Can't bear spending? Right. Yeah. We, no. have another, we have another set of words to go with that acronym, but where's the dump button? Yeah, the no, but not. not. Right. You um, wouldn't feel that way if you got a CBS magazine. I was going to say, would you like a copy of Watch? This they is where all the companies. They truckloads of those. <laughs> I know. 2,000 copies. You can subscribe for only, like, yeah. <laughs> Where the company's money is well spent. In lieu of toilet paper. Yeah. Now, I worked at a station that was so underfunded, though, uh, that uh, between, for every different show we would carry on that station, whether it was Rush or G. Goodlady, whatever, you had to like bend down and actually yeah. pull the transponder out yeah, the card. and put a different one in. Really? Yeah. Wow. And then you had to redial the card, and Rush was transponder 23, satellite, uh, or channel 540. That was wow. the Rush Limbaugh show. 
So, wow. There we go. And, <laughs> and like done. you said, nobody cares. Nope, just us. <laughs> That's enough sometimes. All right. Uh, anyway, so these are, to wrap the whole thing up. So the Eminem singles uh, are just, not that they're bad, but I'm just tired of them. But the Eight Mile soundtrack has this song, Rabbit Run. And even Lose Yourself, I still like, and Rabbit Run, that was just, I listened to it the other night, and I was like, damn, you know, that guy was what really of, good. What part of the movie is that in? I don't know that, I don't think it's in the yeah, film. I think it was just on the soundtrack. Uh, it might have been the closing credits. It might have been in the closing credits. It wasn't in the movie. I don't think he performed it, though. But it basically is just, it's not a freestyle, obviously, but it's very simple, very basic. Uh, and it's just a three-minute track of just rhymes, like no stop, there's no chorus, there's no hook, it's just like an orchestral backing and a, and a, you know, and a beat, and it just gets faster and louder, and it just escalates to three minutes, and then it just ends. It's, I'll bring it in, it's really good. So, anyway, blah, 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 Eminem, you know what I think, the, you know what I think the problem was? What? The power cord was loose on the back of this monitor. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. Well, why would that affect I'm me, a, yeah, though? A power surge. I don't know when it when it connects back up. It shorts it out, and everything says. Bah! So really, this could have been solved by calling tech support, where the guy's first question is always, "Is it plugged? Is in? it plugged in?" Yeah. <laughs> well, it appears this is the longest it's been working, right, sir? Yes, yes, it is. Well, that's good. Here's Tim Riley. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Well, Mike Wallace is recovering from triple heart bypass surgery. We're, we've just been told that happened last Mike week. Mike Wallace has three hearts. Yes, he turns ninety this spring. <laughs> And he's already walking around. See Cerebus? Apparently so. <laughs> uh, and generally, uh, recovery uh, takes about six weeks. Okay. So he'll be fine. An 18-year-old Florida man is dead following a police shootout over a pair of blue jeans. Abner Joel. Abner. And a male accomplice were observed shoplifting at a department store. When officers on duty at the store approached the pair in the parking lot, Abner, who was reportedly wearing the stolen jeans at the time, made a run for it. A chase ensued. The pursuit ended several blocks after a shootout between Abner and the police officer. Authorities say Abner was shot several times in the side, face, top of the head, and back. <laughs> That's almost like he they... got at the scene wearing the stolen jeans. <laughs> All right, excellent. That's like they um. Wait, so let me understand this. He's in the store, puts on a pair of jeans. He puts on a pair of jeans which he has it. not purchased. Runs for it. Who chases him? The policeman. And then they shoot him. Yes. Seven times in the side, face, top of the head, and back. That's almost like they picked him up and moved him around and arranged him for each shot. Mm -hmm. All right, now one at the top. It's like, it's like you know what it is? It's like they're Jock Sturgis and he's in a modeling session. All right, uh, top of the head, please. Excellent. No, beautiful, beautiful. Left, profile. Oh, yeah, work it. <laughs> Wonderful. Where was this? Florida. Excellent. Well, he had it coming. A hotel guest was shocked in Tasmania when he received a foam box containing a single human eyeball. <laughs> It was delivered to, by mistake to the I hotel. I had for two! By a taxi driver. Shocking. The uh, hotel driver, who uh, doesn't want the name of his hotel used... I don't want you to open this box. ...said the agitated guest that brought the box downtown. The guy left me with a box with an eyeball in it. <laughs> I thought it was just too weird. Where? This happened at a hotel in Tasmania. The home of the wombat. Uh, he thought it was uh, too weird. <laughs> Apparently, this was a failure in an internal handover process. Who was handing this to who? The the uh, person whose room it was delivered to by accident. But, I mean, where was the eyeball supposed to go? Not to the hotel. As soon as we discovered the error, we quickly re rectified and delivered the eyeball to the appropriate person. Uh, the eye was uh, recovered and successfully transferred to the patient. Nobody missed their operation. Nothing was compromised. Hold on a second. Sarah's trying to gesticulate at me. I think she's What are you doing off. over there? It's stuck. Oh, the curtain is stuck in the wheel of the chair? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much take down the whole thing. Yeah, those are and those cost. You would not believe how much those curtains cost. Do you want to come over and help me get 
out of the wheel then? It looks like something out of a Laurel and Hardy movie. Let's take a break. When the piano goes down the stairway. Seriously, it's like a Buster Keaton film. Next, the house is going to fall on you. Jesus. Yeah, those, uh, you, you don't even want to know how much those curtains cost. Back after this. You people heard of coasters? Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Here's some Eminem. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Coming up at 3, Tom Lekas. Down the mic at 7, uh, so forth. All right. Uh, we'll get some calls here in a second. Uh, two things to note. A, uh, so I was talking to my wife, who is uh, vacationing in Panama at the moment. And so she was driving. This is a little funny observation. So some things truly are universal. She's driving along. She's talking to a guy who drives a cab in Panama City. Where apparently the standard living is the standard living is not, you know, it's not what we here in the states would be used to, and so I guess this dry, dry, this guy drives a cab in Panama City for 14 hours a day. He makes a total of eight dollars, um, because like his boss, the guy who owns the cab, takes you know like 80 percent of his money, and so he and so my wife speaks limited Spanish. The guy speaks very limited English, and so 
she is trying to sort of just make conversation by saying, so is it, you know, is it good business driving a cab here in Panama City? And the guy is trying to explain to her that there is someone above him who takes a lot of his money. Bless you. He's trying to explain that there's a guy above him in the managerial structure who takes a lot of the money from him, but he, he's having uh, trouble explaining who it is that takes most of his income. And so my wife actually finally said, you know, blah, 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 with Spanish, 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 like, is your money taken by El Hombre? And apparently that was understood. Like the Span Spanish for the man was completely under. He goes, oh, yes, El Hombre takes my money. So there you That's go. That's funny. Isn't that fantastic <laughs> that the man is known everywhere? The man is everywhere. The man is omnipresent. We used to have uh, rock and roll, but then the man ruined that with a little thing called MTV. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What is that principal's uh, name in uh, Rock and Roll High School? Or not Rock and Roll High School. Uh, School of Rock. Oh, I can't oh, even can remember. can never remember. Because he's like Miss Hargison or something. You're the man, Miss Hargison. Why, thank you, Jimmy. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey. A uh, couple of things you were talking about. Um, the Color Me Bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I saw them on VH. They were interviewing them on VH. I can't wait back. for one of those guys to overdose so I can oh, say Color Me oh, Dad. Have you, I, I don't know if they are licking their chops to play again because, the, the, I don't know, the guy was kind of the lead singer, the guy with the goatee, the real pasty guy. Yeah. Not, not the Kenny G guy, but yeah. the, the pasty Well, there was a guy that looked like Snow, a guy that looked like Kenny yeah. G, and a guy that looked like George Michael, and then yeah, a black yeah. guy. Snowman. That guy is huge. He's a, he's a big man. Now, is he the guy that has the huge head? Because uh, one of them has a head that does. is just massive. Well, it's it's big now. I don't I don't remember. I don't know if it grew much, but it's big now. Yeah. Okay. And the other, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I, which is weird because I don't think your head can grow. I mean, the head had to have been that size all along, right? Your your head doesn't grow unless you're on steroids or something. Yeah, I was gonna say Jerry Lewis's head. Yeah, of, but that's cool. that's all the miracle of prednisone. Yeah. Uh, the other thing was the, the Atari thing. You were saying that you know how colossally bad a lot of the games are, but they had you know great artwork on it that just let you down. Yeah. There was one game that that kind of held up. Uh, did you ever play Star Raiders? Star Raiders. Uh, no, uh, my my cousin had it, but I never played that. Oh, that that, that was a great game because it came with a separate pad with different buttons, so it, you had more than just a function of a moving oh, around. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Had, you had a hyperspace button. You had a map button. You had I, weapons buttons. That's right. It, I remember that. That it actually yeah. had it, it had d a different sort of control mechanism than the rest yeah. of the games. I forgot all about it, that. It had good artwork in the game. I mean, even though you know Atari hardware is pretty limited, that game was actually pretty damn good. That's okay. I went to a Christmas party, uh, you know, in December, and uh, my wife and I went there, and it was like a geek nerd party, whatever. Um, and can I ask? Hold on, Timmy Ryan. Can I ask you a question? Is there a reason you keep putting the red flashing thing up on the screen even when there's no text on it? No. Okay. Thanks. All right. Um, of course not. It's just up there. It's like this huge, flashing, blood-red window that appears in the middle of my computer screen. That's, like, incredibly distracting. And he keeps putting it up, but there's nothing. It's like, it's, it's what you put up there, like, George Bush is on line three. It's like what you do if you really have to get my attention. And he just puts it up there completely blank. And I kept, is there, is there a reason? He's like, no. Okay. Points for that. Anyway, uh, so I'm at this holiday party, and the deal with the party was... Anyway, blah, 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 blah. You had to bring either an adult gift or a geeky gift. It was like a white elephant thing. Uh, and so my wife, though, got the coolest prize of the night. It was one of those Atari flashbacks where it's like a little miniature version of the 2600 and it's preloaded with like 30 games. Yeah, I got one of those. And, yeah, it had Pitfall, which is her favorite game, and it had my favorite game ever, which is River Raid, which is like a badass game. So oh, yeah. River Raid still holds up. Uh, one one other thing. Yes, sir. Remember a couple of weeks ago when you were talking about how the people at your at your wife's uh, place of work were subjected to watching Deliverance? Yeah. 
I, I still want to drop off a, a, a movie to donate. So is there someone some, someone can give me an address where I can drop off a movie or two? Uh, well, if you want to drop them off here, I'll make sure they get there. We're at 2040 Southwest 1st. 2040 Southwest 1st. Yeah, I, only, I, only have, I only have Mondays off, so is there someone there early in the morning? Uh, 830 to 530. Oh, great. Uh, 2040 Southwest 1st. Yeah, right in the KUFO building. And I can just drop it off at the front desk yep. with a note or something? Yes, you can. Cool. Sweet. Thank right, you, man. sir. Later. Right, bye now. Uh, let's see. Should we take more calls, or should we discuss how Sarah Dillon came to write a record review for Afro Man? I vote the latter. Please, Sarah. It's not even exciting. But the, the only record review you've ever written in your life was for Afro Man, of when I get high, or then I got high, or because I, really I got did. high. I was proud of it. Um, I wrote it for yeah, WSU, the Evergreen. Is that for the, the paper, student paper? Washington State University. Now, did they ask you to do this, or did you hear Afro Man and just decide it spoke to you and you had to... No, they asked. I can't remember how it came about. I definitely did not ask. Were, there, would you, were you a regular writer for them? No, no. I only I, I wrote for them, I think, twice. And one of them was an, another review. I can't remember what that one was, but the Afro Man sticks out in my head. I don't know how. Maybe I had That's a friend like who worked at the paper. likely thing ever. That I of all like... the things you would write, it would be a review of Afro Man. And it wasn't just that one song. No, it was the entire album. <sighs> It was so terrible. I remember the best, you know, can I just tell you this? Look, I'm no musical wonderkind or whatever. Like, I, I've written songs that, like, four people care about. So that's fine. I'm not trying to, I, I, you know what? The, the, that guy, Afro Man, has heard that song heard by more people than any of my songs. So that's fine. Whatever. But I try to be aware of my own relative level of, of exposure, you know, as, as a musician. The thing about those guys, like Afro Man and, like, um, who else comes to mind? Well, like uh, uh, like uh, the Starland Vocal Band of Afternoon Delight fame, uh-huh. or the Baja Man, the Who Let the Dogs Out guys. Um, the great and terrible thing is you see this cycle repeated over and over again. I mean, look, one-hit wonders happen all the time. And there's nothing wrong with a one-hit wonder. It, but, you know, it is the nature of the beast. You have a big single, you can't really ever follow it up or anything, and then you sort of vanish and, you know, whatever. But every single time you see interviews with those guys, who are like, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to be one-hit wonder. No, no, we got lots of great songs people haven't heard yet. And in your head, you're just like, dude, no not going to happen. And I remember seeing an interview with Afro Man, of course, hi, uh, just saying like, oh, no, I'm not a one-hit wonder. I've got songs that are going to put that one to sh- You're going to hear about me for the next 30, uh, the next 30 years. And, and, you know, even as you're watching the interview, you're just kind of going, well, no, it's not going to happen. Sorry, though. Thanks for, thanks for playing. Uh-huh. So please tell now how you, how, I mean, what did they give you a copy of the record and send you home with it? <sighs> God, I can't. You know, this is my senior year of college too. I should remember this a little bit better. Um, Maybe that's why you don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did not purchase said copy of Afro Man. I, it was given to me. Um, I think my friend Amanda actually worked at the paper, I and mean, she asked if I wanted to review it. Amanda she, with the tattoos? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I met different Amanda. Amanda. Okay. Yeah, different Amanda. Uh, and yeah. so, and so, but you somehow, so you sat at home. And what did you like? And, and you listen to the entire album. Did you do it seriously? Like, did you have it on in the oh, background, totally. or did you like sit at your desk and like sit there and look at the record no, for like an hour? Maybe there was going to be a nugget of gold on that album that had been undiscovered. I'm like, maybe you know, I want to get or because I got high, was right. Not the you know. The but there were other tracks that put it to shame. Yeah, not so much. It was the worst album <laughs> I've ever heard. Um, do you remember any any fr- anything that you said in your review? In your review? No. Yes, I wish I would have had more time to think on this. I didn't know that you'd be talking about it. I just said that as a passing comment. No, it's just fascinating. I don't think I've ever written a record review of anything uh, that's been published anyway. I don't think I've ever done... I have a copy of it at my parents' house. The closest, really, the closest mm-hmm. that I've ever uh, come is that I have, well, two things. A, 
Uh, I've written on my blog, like at rickemerson.com, I've written reviews of albums or songs. But, you know, that was typically, though, just because I would come across a song or maybe a song that had been released but w- overlooked or a song that I didn't think was getting enough attention, and I'd say, like, or somebody was coming to town. Like, I wrote a whole thing about Roger Klein when he was coming to town. I'm like, hey, you got to check out Robert, Roger Klein, whatever. Um, I remember when I was a teenager, when I was a dorky, high-fidelity teenager, uh, I was, con- you know, I would, I would, this is really dumb, too, because this is in, like, 1990 when there was no Internet. I would write reviews of records as they came out and then do nothing with them. Like, I clearly remember writing a review of the Public Enemy album, Music and Our Message. I remember sitting and writing an entire review and then just like sticking in a box and putting it in the basement and doing nothing with it. Like oh I don't know what I would. I don't know what that's all about. That just doesn't make any sense now that I think about it. So what can you do? All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. 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 It's um, you. Is this you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I just wanted to comment on the uh, on the top uh, when you first started the show. Uh, you mentioned not having hot um, hot water to shave at work. Let me ask you this, sir. Yeah. Um, have you been doing any drinking today? No. Okay. No, I don't drink. Just um, checking, because I'm only asking that because the calls are coming in fast and furious, and this it, this is still labeled intoxicated callers. So I was going to commend you on not sounding that drunk. Well, thank you. The bad news is you still sound kind of drunk, but go ahead. Um, uh, no, I just uh, I can commiserate with you on the no hot water while shaving. Anyway, and um, the platypus... Uh, well, the- wait. Okay. <laughs> You're going a mile a minute, man. Uh, hold on. What do you mean you can commiserate with me on having no hot water while I'm shaving? Well, you said that when you were shaving at the station that in you the could... unisex bathroom, no yeah. hot water. Now, but but I mean, is this a thing that you face in your everyday life? No, no, no. Uh, well, when I um, I I work at a gas station and they don't feel the need to have hot water. Of course, why would they? Exactly. Who needs hot water for anything ever? Exactly. How much would you? Doesn't that make you angry? Like, how much can it cost to have hot water? I know. Doesn't, I mean, we do it's, live in we live in America. Don't you don't think hot water just is part of the? You know, it's like when you move into a um, when you move into a condo and it says like free utilities or a hotel says free HBO. When you live in America, don't you think like I live in America comes with free hot water? Exactly. The idea that you would work someplace and that the, your place of employment doesn't even have hot water. I mean, yeah. that's just okay. Well, anyway, so you so you would go to work and occasionally have to just like cold shave. Yes, exactly. Let me ask you this. Have you ever done this, though? What is your name, sir? Andrew. Andrew, have you... Okay, then it is you. He is labeled Andrew is intoxicated. So the good news <laughs> is he does, in fact, think you are drunk. Um, have you ever had to do this? And I don't think women ever do this. I think women are much smarter than men. Women know better than to try this. Have you ever, like, gone to work, you realize, yeah, you haven't shaved, but you have a razor, and so you do the dry shave? Sorry, what was that? Never mind. What was your, what were you all, what, what else were you calling about, sir? Oh, um, the, uh, also the um, uh, strange animal attacks, you know, like the wombat and panda bear. And Pandas, stuff. koalas, yes. Platypus. Oh yeah, somebody was it you that just sent me an email about platypi? Exactly. Uh, let me. This is a really funny email. Actually, I was going to read it aloud because it amused me. Hold on. Um, the male platypus has venom, which can kill animals and paralyze humans with incredible pain. I can imagine a horde of crazed platypi attacking an Australian school field trip. All would be hospitalized, and the smallest might not make it through the night. Boy, that's morbid. <laughs> but funny, though. Well, I try. All right. Thank you, sir. You have a good day. Thank you. All right. Bye. Hmm. I don't know what that guy's deal was. Uh, that was a little strange because it seemed like he was drunk. Yeah, or maybe just really nervous or distracted. No, because at one point he was clearly not listening to me. Yeah. By the way, listener says there was snow mixed with rain in Gresham. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. How's Hi. it going? What's up? Uh, he wasn't intoxicated, but I am. 
Excellent. Well done. What are, you, what, are we drinking or smoking? Um, we're drinking. What are, and how long have we been doing that today? Um, well, I uh, got to work, and they said that they had no work for me. What kind and, of work do you do? Uh, I build furniture. Okay, and so uh, and so you went there, and they said, no, 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 no furniture needs to be built today. Go home and enjoy your day. Yeah, and um, for whatever reason, I thought that that was an excuse to go get a couple of bottles of sheet stout and uh, drink away. Well, the, you say for whatever reason, that's because it is a reason. It's because it's a complete justification for that. So how drunk would you say you are on the classic 1 to 10 scale? Uh, 1 to 10, well, uh, earlier I uh, actually vomited. Uh, <laughs> but, Maybe uh, you're less drunk now, then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, I, I just kind of was laying on the couch listening to your show, and you uh, just kind of, uh, you know, were the vessel that carried me through, like, the rough times. Let's just say that. Today or in general? No, today. Okay. But I listen to you every uh, every break that I have. So, Thank you, sir. Uh, you know, yeah, you, you actually are the vessel that carries me through the day for most of the days. I know? appreciate that. Yeah. Um, you played something um, on your last – not – to up with my my radio jargon, but uh, your last segue, you played the Beatles doing Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, that's a it's a group called the Beatniks. B e a t n i x. Beatniks. I, I uh, heard that, and it was a total blast from the past. And I had to dig through my my pile of blue cheer bootlegs to find the CD. Um, uh, that isn't really the best song on the CD. Uh, the best song I think is uh, the Australian Doors show. Do you have the CD handy, or did you guys kind of just get off, off the internet or something? Or? Wow, I really uh, this uh, we really have entered uh, like high fidelity dorkdom here, and don't and that's that's fine, that's a compliment. Uh, no, here's the thing, I really only have that one single. Guy sent it to me, and he's like, "Hey, you got to check this out," and uh, it was the, it was the YouTube video for that song, which is great because it has the old. Ed Sullivan kinescope look to it. Uh, no, I, I have never heard anything the group has done beyond that one recording. It's a whole CD. It's called Stairways to Heaven. I believe it was... Uh, oh, I can't read this. Is it all writing. Stairway to Heaven as done by different styles or in the style of? Absolutely. So it's like Stairway yeah. to Heaven in the style of they the doors. They have reggae style. They have like uh, the rock lobsters. I think of a B-52 style. They have like a big band swing oh, style. Oh, I'm sold. I'm going to go buy that today. Uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. Well, actually, I'm holding the copy right now. If uh, you wanted to borrow it. No, no, no. That would be wrong. I, I like to give money to records who really deserve my money. So, Stairways oh, okay. to Heaven. I will buy that today, sir. Yeah. Well, I just right. wanted to thank you for that, and uh, you know, just keep on keeping on. Thank, thank you, sir. Uh, thank you much. Keep Bye -bye. on trucking. All right. I'm kind of a sucker for stuff like that, like songs done in this stuff. Like I remember when that uh, Dread Zeppelin band came out in the late '80s. I was a sucker for that. You know, we haven't talked to it all today. Hmm. Timmy Ryan. We haven't. We should. He's hung over. Had really? We've had access to. He's showing uh, us like pictures of slutty girls every time. He's busy with his usual skirt chasing. <laughs> he is a skirt chaser. Do you want to do it now? Yeah, we, I might as well. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we'll just use. Uh, I don't have a sounder for him, so we will use this Tom Cruise sound. I have a sounder. <laughs> That's Tom Cruise, by the way. You want to hear it again? No. Now, I can't claim a total credit to that because Court and Fatboy, I don't know if they used the same laugh, but I know they were doing, full disclosure, Court and Fatboy were doing this great thing last week where they were playing Heath Ledger's Joker. Uh, you know, when he goes, let's put a smile on that face. <laughs> or whatever, and he does the Joker laugh. They were playing that back-to-back -back with Tom Cruise. <laughs> Hi, Timmy Ryan. What's up? The How Joker you... will laugh no more. How you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm doing good today. Are you? Yeah. Why? 
Is Did this you shower today? Is this because you were just talking to a, a girl whose MySpace name is like Peel Me Like a Kumquat or something? Peel, I'm not going to tell you what the MySpace name is. I'm saying it was like that. Ah, something like that. It was some kind of fruit. Peel Me Like a Banana? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Peel Me Like All a right. Banana. We know it's on your mind. Let me ask you this. Um, so how is it that you're meeting girls on MySpace? Do you go to... Let me ask you, do you just sort of... Is it sort of like the ocean becomes a river becomes a tributary He's a lurker. becomes a thing? You can see him. I can smell it. And so, but but is that the I thing? Mean, like, you, I, like, let me just ask you this: okay. do, you, do you go to like, let's say, a friend's MySpace page? You pick the hottest girl there, go to her MySpace page, and then in turn look for the hottest girl on that page no. and so forth until no, you've worked your I've way. I've actually, like, I've never contacted. I never personally made the first contact of any girl on MySpace. You wait for them to come to you. No, they haven't. Every single time, it's ended in positive results. So what's up with you and the girl from... I find that very hard to believe that you have <laughs> never... No, no, no. I find it very hard to believe you have not contacted women on MySpace. I swear to God, I have not. Why I... would you tell us the truth right now anyway? You're trying to like seem like, oh, I'm not desperate. I saw you every time I pass by, you're looking at some chick's like friend list. <laughs> I, was looking, no, I was looking at one of my friends' MySpace who just added me as a friend. So I just wanted to see, you know... Who her friends are to see if we have any music. So you're saying it's like you go onto Rick's um, computer right now, log into your MySpace page, and we go to your scent box, that there won't be any yeah, messages? No, not at all. Not at all. Well, only girls who have contacted me right now. I see. So, but how would the, now, let me ask you this. Uh, in your assessment, how do these girls come to find you to make the first move? Okay, well, uh, uh, the last two times where uh, the results were positive. But I'm just... As we shall say, I'll tell you that. <laughs> there's this one girl who actually... Like a Tim Ryan soundboard. No, hold on. There's, there's this girl named Aubrey. Uh, she was like this musician chick, so we hung out and uh, had some coffee and beers and... And breakfast. Wild freaky sex. Oh, well, okay, or that. <laughs> the look on Tim's face is everything. <laughs> I just wanted to point it out. And then there was this girl who uh, came here from Boston. She's from Boston, uh, and she's this art major, and uh, she wanted to find some... Cool, attractive guys, apparently, to uh, hang For out hot, with. freaky sex. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Wow. Um. <laughs> and I haven't talked to her since. She went back to Boston, and uh, she said she was moving to Portland, and I haven't heard from her. So last time I heard, she was still in Boston. So you had wild... <sighs> Say it. No, no, I'm just saying, that's my point. No, I can't even, no, but just the fact that you talk about sex so much makes me think that you've never had it. (laughs) I don't, I don't, I, you guys are the one who brought the whole MySpace thing up. I wasn't even going to talk about it. I'm trying to find your damn profile. I I keep my love life in my life. You always like, wild freaking sex. Okay, tell me what, tell me what, because you guys always allude to it. You're like, uh, so you guys had breakfast. I mean, what is... No, no, yes. Because I'm trying to be a gentleman. Yes, we made passionate love by the fireplace oh. and drank champagne. Oh, oh, don't ever say that. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. Then you're sure. right in your white Eldorado. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, uh, what is up with the girl at the plaid pantry? Sarah and I have had discussions about her, and we're not all on the same page okay, as I how desirable she was. I will, but... I will tell you this. Tabby is a great girl. Be sure to use her name as often as possible. No, Tabby's a great girl. She's a You're girl. a great girl, and you really deserve, you know, a guy who can give you what you want. And uh, No, basically. I'm, we've had some fun times. What? <laughs> How did it go? How did the conversation? So did you dump her? It was not really a dumping. It was did you just of... never call her back? No. Let me ask oh you this. Oh, my God. Hold you on. totally did. Did you just slowly turn down the fader on the relationship? Like it was 10, 5, gone. No, I will, I will, I will explain this, all right? Um, she is a great girl. She's very talented. <laughs> a sweet spirit. She, she's very, no, 
Well, she is from Utah, after all. Really? Um, is she? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, she didn't know what that meant, by the way, because I think she was brought up Catholic. Well, she, but, oh, she wasn't raised LDS. Okay. No, but she actually faked being LDS to get jobs and things. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. You know. You know. So, anyway. No, uh, basically, we just kind of decided, or I decided, that she's just got too much going on in her life right now. That, uh, you decided that she has too much going on yeah, in her she, life? Yeah, she has just too much stuff going on and too much, you know, kind of drama with other things in her life. I said, I'm just not going to be a part of that, and, you know, you could deal with it. Now, when you say she's got too much going on, what does that mean? She just has a lot of things. She has a lot of side projects going on, a lot of things. Going. She she has a lot of uh, friends of hers that are guys who are kind of overprotective, if you know what I mean. And you're, Timmy Ryan is too much of a threat. I don't know if that's it. I, you know, I don't see myself as a threat. Well, it probably smells sleazeball. I mean, no offense. <laughs> But you know you're one. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I'm a gentleman. take offense. You are not a gentleman. Because I, he means, she I'm means so because I've seen you out when you don't see me, and I see how you act. She, she means it with love. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Just because, uh, just because you like to go out and drink, Sarah, does that make you a raging drunk? No, not at no, all. No, because, because you like to go out and drunk, and I've seen you out in public, so should I call you a raging drunk? No, well, you're the one who's always drunk and or hungover. I can keep myself together pretty well. But what I'm saying is I've seen you out in public trying to staggering against a wall, trying to keep yourself up, wearing your, like, outdated Oakley sunglasses, like, drinking, like, two Bud Lights in either hand, and, like, fl- like slumbering around going, like, I'm Jimmy Ryan. <laughs> Look, I am picky. All so I badly. am goddamn picky when it comes to the girls that I like you to, can't even to hang see. out with. <laughs> I am like ten o'clock at night and you couldn't even see. <laughs> I am picky. I like hot, attractive women. I just don't go home with anything. By the way, I'd like to point out, I was telling you guys earlier, I was at a certain club last night and this girl, very attractive, wanted me to go home with was her. Was so, a girl uh, or a woman to me, uh, She was a woman. She was all woman. By night's end, she was a woman, Sarah. And, she was uh, a girl when he met her. She, she was a woman when she left. She wanted me to go home and uh, do a certain white drug with her and I don't do any drugs, so I turned it down because I'm not into that. There you go. I don't, I don't, I don't hang out with girls that do drugs. We've clearly misjudged you in every way. Sarah. <laughs> Oh, we have to take a break. Dad, Tim Riley around the corner from the Ministry of Truth. Timmy Ryan, you can speak to him right now if you'd like. Uh, it's 503 Very picky. Back after this, He's don't go anywhere. He's going to paint his toilet bowl black. <laughs> it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A Salem mobile home is totally destroyed in the morning fire today. Happened at 1940 Lena Avenue Northeast. It took firefighters 15 minutes to put it out. It destroyed everything inside the trailer. Damage is estimated at $20,000. From Missouri comes word, the woman who faked the birth of six tablets... The tablet of the generosity of neighbors has been sentenced today to four years in prison for violating her probation. Doesn't that seem like a thing that would be found out almost immediately? <laughs> now, Sarah Iverson, who's 45, and her husband, Chris, 35, live over in Grain Valley. That's a suburb of uh, Independence. They live in Grain Valley. So they decided that they were going to spin this yarn to take advantage of the generosity of others. Within days, the story appeared on the front page of the newspaper. The couple of dogs reporters and police. It was a lie saying they needed the cash. They have to uh, pay restitution of $3,661 and perform community services. So that's that. Well, we're getting ready for the big storm tonight. Uh-huh. Could be some snow. <laughs> See, now I can't tell if you're just saying it because you know that I'm expecting you to say it to mock me 
or if you really do believe it today, but that you're saying it with that tone of voice because you know that I instinctively think you're lying. I'm saying it because it's truthful news. Truthful in the sense that you read it somewhere? I read it from several sources. It's almost certainly... Which lead me to believe that it must be true. All right. So there will be there will be snow in the uh, tonier provinces. Yes. In the outlying areas tonight. Nice, clean, white snow. That's the only kind we get in Portland, yeah. Tim. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world, back at uh, 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour, all the way through, Tom Legas. Uh, let's do these, and then we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey. Hello. What's Hello. up? I'd like to uh, suggest that somehow you isolate Sarah saying, I'm Jimmy Ryan, and uh, using that for a uh, future sounder of some sort. Excellent. I'll get on that today. Excellent. Great. Is that it? That's it. All right. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Is this me? Yes, it is. Hey, I wanted to let you know that the grocery store up at the corner of 72nd and Flavel has rabbit meat, dollar ninety nine a pound. What? So no, you can't I'm really serious. get it for I pets? I get it ground rabbit meat? I have no idea. Why on earth would you ask that? What a horrible question. <laughs> I'm trying to picture it in my mind. Like, is it canned? Oh, usually, usually if you're going to use it for, like, hops and pepper, oh. you want to... Uh, you want to have it whole. Yeah. Usually I'm the one who asks horrific follow-up questions when a guy says that he's <laughs> impaled himself on a meat hook or something. I was just trying to move off of it right away and get to a joke. It's just like, is it ground up? So that's interesting. I mean, this is a dumb question. I mean, it, that's legal, I guess, right? I would imagine it is, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know where they're going to get an FDA stamp on that stuff. Huh. Well, they had an advertisement. Now, they had an advertisement a couple weeks back for Wild Boar, which kind of freaked me out too but they've got it up on the sign it's 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 twice the price of beef kind of expensive okay then well i'll go look into it or you know no oh, and i also wanted to say that my no. favorite part of the whole et game yeah back on the atari 2600 fell down the was, hole and couldn't get out of it well no that was when dave tried to uh get the uh the tickets to the uh free screening and the guy wanted them and he made him dance around naked in the uh, in the crowd. And now, then Larity came and got mad at him and, like, threatened to kill him. Oh, oh, you're talking about the Code Monkeys episode. Okay, for a minute I'm like, what goddamn game is he talking about? Um, Yeah, the Code Monkeys episode uh, it, about that E.T. game is really very, very, very funny. It's so, a fantastic show. Yeah. And actually, I sent you a link to the song is really a good little pop song. The full song, uh, I was actually just listening to that full, the full Code Monkey song yesterday, and I think it's, I think it's clean, actually. It is clean, but uh, I'm wondering, can you tell me what song that's a ripoff from? Because it kind of has a feel of something else. Well, it does sound very much like a television theme song. It does, it sounds very similar to any number of things that, yeah. you know, it, like if you were to sort of chart out mathematically what a TV show theme song is supposed to sound like, it sounds a lot like that. So uh, right. it's a right. pretty great song, actually. Yeah, I'll, I might play that tomorrow. All right. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye now. Hey, so did I tell you, um, sorry, remember the thing I was showing you earlier? So I've been looking for a part-time job. Yes. And um, I came across, so I was looking in the radio and TV section of yes. the Craigslist. I sent it to you. I don't know if you got it in the email. Oh, is this the, oh, we don't have time to do it now, sadly. Is that the thing you, were, you read to me? Uh, yeah, so it's just like it's an exciting internship position. All right, hold on a second here. La, da, 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 da. Let's see. Um, uh, okay, this is so. So this is a publicly posted thing. Yes. Um, let's see. This is hold on. 
So this is a Craigslist ad from a woman who is looking for what? What is see, what is the TV position for radio? Um, going back to the thingy. Let's see. Talk radio intern needed in Portland. I'm starting a talk radio show at the end of February. The show will focus on mental health issues. It's going to be a fun show about serious topics. As all shows about mental health are. I would like to find an intern who wants to learn the radio business from the bottom up. This Ugh. is a new show, and I, along with my business partner, will pretty much handle every aspect of the show, from advertising guests uh, to guests to call-in segments. I totally know. This is my observation here. and we're not, we, Let's not give the name of the woman. Okay. Uh, so it probably won't be to go to Craigslist and find the ad. But So she's looking for an intern... For a radio program about mental health, um, and she has a, quote, business partner? She's a business partner. And so my read on this, and again, just my observation, my editorial, my opinion, which is protected by the first. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dump that. I'm going to dump that. You double um, dumped. Did I? Yeah. Oh, I, that was, I, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, you you just. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and anyway, so, uh, so this person is looking for, um, looking for an intern. So someone who will work for free on a radio program about mental health, and uh, she says she has a business partner. So my read on that, and I might be wrong, my read on that is that it's almost certainly one of those programs where she is buying the time, where it's a show that airs like, uh, you know, like noon to two on a Sunday, uh, and, and where she just purchases the time and then, uh, you know, and, and sort of acts as though it's a regular talk show. Um, I, I will tell you this. So in the in the radio ad on Craigslist, does she have a link to her own webpage? She sure does. Here's a link to her webpage. You can read more about her work at. Now this is someone I can't wait to work with. Her blank her biography. was diagnosed. This is like this is like, this is like two lines into her into her webpage. This is this is the woman, by the way. She has posted this information. This is on a publicly posted Craigslist ad where she is looking to hire somebody to work on her radio program. And she wants them to know all about her. And again, this is public information. In the ad, she puts a link to her biography. Like like two lines in. Blank was diagnosed with rapid cycling bipolar disorder in 1995. It um, gets worse, too. It took drugs which had many intolerable side effects. Wait, hold on. Constant depression, psychosis. Devastating manic episodes. This is in her bio. Why would you? Wow. It's Wait. like it's so detailed. It's uncomfortable. Um. So medications weren't working for her. This is all in her biography. Do you see that lower part? Uh, she gained. I'm, hold on. Hold on. Let's see here. Um. Wasn't there some part about how the medications had horrific yeah, so side effects? Biography. Yeah, let's see here. Um, the side of the side effects of the med. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. So here God, we go. We are so. I mean, it's public information, but know, I'm not going to so use her bad. name. Anyway, Blank was diagnosed. Again, this is like the first paragraph of her biography. Blank was diagnosed with rapid cycling bipolar disorder. Uh, her exp- let's see, life spiraling downward. Constant depression, psychosis, and devastating and, quote, sneaky manic episodes. The side effects of the medications began to destroy Blank's body. She gained 100 pounds, lost three teeth, and had hair and skin problems and serious memory loss. Wow. Sign me up. (laughs) And I get to work for free? It's a dream come true. I get to work for free on a station 
And the best part is, is like no medications work for her, so she's dealing with this raging bipolar disorder. <laughs> yeah. We have to break you just in her name again. <laughs> wow. Darn it. Uh, okay. So there you go. But at least you don't get paid, so there's that. Go sign yourself up now. We ought to send Timmy Ryan to work there. Timmy Ryan, we have a little assignment for you. Back after this. Okay. Oh, and she married a guy who was also bipolar. Best job ever. But the medication took for him, but not for her. <laughs> her teeth just fell out. And she can't take the medication anymore, which means she still suffers from, what was it, psychosis and devastating manic episodes. Best boss ever, I would imagine. Well, if you've been looking for your foot in the radio door, kids, are you going to post the ad? I feel guilty, because we're not making fun of her. Uh Uh-huh. Well, we didn't use her name. I mean, well, like, I mean, we did, so but we bleeped it repeatedly. Information. You know, but she put it out there. Maybe in one of her manic moods. <laughs> I'm going to post everything about me on the internet. Stephanie wants to put that on there. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Staying awake for 19 hours at the keyboard, pounding out just page after page about herself. Uh, uh, yeah, so we may or may not post the... Well, you can find it on Craigslist, I would imagine. It's very, very easy to find. Well, let me look right now, actually. We'll do this in real time, and then we'll end the show. Craigslist.com.org. Or, uh, let's see. Uh, what, Portland? Cities, Portland, Portland. Yeah. Or you can just go Portland.Craigslist. Uh, Oregon. Oh, I'm really just doing this the long way around. Uh, so I just type radio, do you think? No, I just looked in the um, TV, film, radio jobs. I didn't even know there. I didn't even know there was such a section. Yeah. Let's see here. Gigs. No jobs. Um. Okay, maybe it's not so easy to find. All right, I'm at Portland Craigslist. Portland Craigslist. Look at jobs. Go all the way down toward the bottom Job. of jobs. Oh, jobs here. Oh, I didn't even know there was a radio TV section. Look at that TV, film, video. Yep. Okay. And then what day was this posted? It was, it's literally like you scroll down to like half a page. Oh, talk radio intern needed. There it is. So there you go. Jesus. This station will be, oh wait, here's how you know. This show will be recorded at the station with professional staff and equipment. The showtime is undecided. I called it, but will be either Saturday or Sunday afternoon. There you go. I totally called that. And then it does have her website. Where you can hear about how her teeth fell out. And how she apparently has uncontrollable manic episodes. Have fun at that job. Uh, all right, Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and only slightly manic Sarah Dillon for AM 970, Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Timmy Ryan Davis is the gatekeeper. Like us next. Watch out for snakes. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. <laughs>